The following is an ESPN 1000 special presentation. Good evening and welcome to the NBA Draft. Culver is going to have to force one up. Barely beats the timer. Oh, a rainbow triple! He's the one guy that has the size and ability to create a shot at the end of the clock. Now that one drew rain. Take away. Okay. Oh, are you serious? Slam jam, bam. Get him ready for the NBA Focus Contest. Bring on Dominic Wilkins. Bring on all the great ones from years ago. Oh, they love it. Look at them jumping with joy. They got their treat for the night here. Rebound in traffic by Barrett. He can do this as well. He's very comfortable bringing the ball up the court. The lefty tries to finish and does. Barrett again. And he knocks down another one. R.J. Barrett is 5 for 5 from three-point range. John Barrett takes it in on Kamaji. And one at last. Look at the hang time. 7-4. Meet 6-3 at the rim. And now... The 2019 NBA Draft Show on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Along with Chris Black, here's Jonathan Hood. It's like these. Draft night gave us Michael Jordan and Derrick Rose. Steph Curry and LeBron James. This night also brought us Frederick Weiss and Darko Milicic. The draft is about cornerstone players that can help right away. And others, well, they're trying to build their team to a championship contender. We thank you for riding with us and navigate through one of the marquee nights on the NBA calendar, the NBA draft right here on ESPN 1000. Along with UIC Flames basketball color analyst Chris Bleck, I'm Jonathan Hood. Chris, as we take a look at the draft here, as the picks will start coming uh, at 6.35 Chicago time, this draft, I believe, is pr- pretty top-heavy. The four or five picks at the top are probably solidified, but there's a lot of projects and question marks all throughout the potential first-round picks. Yeah, Jonathan, and the player that we're all here uh, excited to see is Zion Williamson. He will be taking number one from the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, they get the number one pick in the draft. And Zion last season, 22 points per game, 8.9 rebounds per. He was incredible over the course of last season in college basketball. He will go to the Pels. And like you said, a lot of movement here as we kind of get the, the first round shaped up. And it's very top-heavy, and that's why we see so, mu- so much movement. We've already seen Atlanta jump into the fourth pick tonight. The Pelicans are now going to get back 8, 17, and 35 for the Hawks' fourth pick. And then Minnesota is now jumped to 6, and Phoenix is moving back to 11. So the Timberwolves, the Hawks, both moving up to get players that they have identified as a need that they want. What will the Bulls do tonight? Because we're seeing a lot of movement in the top 5 and the top 10, and the Bulls sitting at 7. Based on the skill uh, skill set of some of these players that will be drafted in the first round, there are top three or four right there projects. Zion Williamson, one of them, R.J. Barrett, that seems like a, a must-see. But as I look at the middle and the bottom of the draft that are, is potential, Chris, I look at a lot of bigs, and you're looking for bigs that can be able to be versatile. The one thing that we know about today's NBA is that you want to be able to have versatile bigs, guys that can knock down threes, guys that go to the basket. Uh, and so there's a lot of projects. A lot of question marks 
in the middle of that draft, especially when it comes to size. Yeah, someone that I would point out is the center from Texas, Jackson Hayes. He's projected as the 11th best player by ESPN heading into the draft. He's a player who, really good around the rim, good in pick-and-dive situations, good at shot-blocking on the defensive end, but outside of that, he has a lot to work on. So you, if you're looking at someone like Jackson Hayes, if that's who the Bulls take at 7 tonight, that's a project player. There are a lot of projects on the board, like you said. Someone who's very intriguing in this draft. He came into this last season as the fourth-rated player in 2018 hanging into the college basketball season. Bull, bull, where does he go in the first round? He's a player that didn't play much. He was injured this season. Where will he fall within the first round? There's a lot of options there on the board for teams in the first round that you're going to look at and say that's a project player from USC, Kevin Porter, probably one of the best scorers in the draft, but he's going to fall at some point later in the first round. I'll, uh, I'm interested to see if he goes within the lottery because of the talent there. So you're right, Jonathan, there's a lot, and then we go back to the top, R.J. Barrett. That's a player who's slipped. Mm-hmm. Why? He played next to Zion Williamson throughout the college basketball season. People saw him on the stage. But I think his scoring ability and his tempo and his ability to get his own shot and to get points in the NBA game will definitely translate. I think he's an all-star player, and I think uh, R.J. Barrett's going to be really good. So you're, you're right. There are a lot of projects, and there's a lot of players that are going to need development. And that's the next stage after the draft is, does your team, does your favorite team have the ability to develop the talent that you have on the roster. Zion Williamson, uh, as you mentioned, projected to be the number one pick. And I think it's really seamless. When you think about where the Pelicans were just uh, a few months ago, as a matter of fact, by trying to build around Chicago's own Anthony Davis as a number one pick, kid out of Chicago, and you're looking for a, a franchise changing player and he wants out wants to go to los angeles and the trade takes place this past weekend and then there's zion williamson i think we got to be able to just take a step back and look at williamson before his name is announced because what resonated with me about zion williamson is is that for the first time in a long time you had a college basketball player that people knew that that wanted to watch his games that you want to see what he was going to do Uh, Maybe the shoe blowout was part of that because a lot of people hadn't seen that before. But I really believe that Zion Williamson really was the face of college basketball. And you really can't say that very often because a lot of these young players one and done on the college level. So they don't get a chance to really know these guys. But I really thought that Zion Williamson was able to supersede the NBA I was the face of college basketball, and because of his personality and because this is someone that we haven't seen before, 6'8", 280, to do what he did for Duke, I really think that the, the, uh, the New Orleans Pelicans and college basketball at Duke really had a find in Zion Williamson. Well, and it's, you know, the star potential that you talked about. He also had the social push. He came into college with the YouTube fame and the Instagram fame, which w- was superseded anything that being a Duke basketball player could do. In this day and age, when you have 3 million Instagram followers before you even step on a college basketball court, that you're ahead of the game in that situation for just curating and people understanding and knowing who you are. Now, when he stepped on the court at Duke and he was really good and unique and looked different than what we've seen in the past for a college basketball player, that's when it all really comes together. And you're right. He was bigger than the NBA during the NBA season. Yeah. He was the biggest thing in sports. So I agree with you. And, and Zion, you know, here's the one thing I would look at is, do we know if he's going to be a top 10 player in the league? I don't know. I have no idea. I don't think any of us know. Uh, Do we have a pretty good idea that his floor is going to be a hustle player who's going to work, outwork others, and be good 
if not great defensively, and be a really good teammate, I think we could all agree that that's probably going to happen. So as a number one pick, you're looking at a player that will be a top ten player, if not one of the best players in the league. But if you're the team drafting him, you know that you have a safe pick there because you think what you have will translate to the next level. You know his defensive abilities. I think he's going to be like Draymond Green on the next level. What Draymond does defensively, I think Zion Williamson is going to bring to the New Orleans Pelicans. Now, if he can figure out the offensive side of the ball, now you're talking top 10 player in the league. Now you're talking he's worth the fact that the Pelicans now just gave up Anthony Davis. So I think that's what's great about the draft tonight is that Zion Williamson Bigger than the NBA, bigger than college basketball, he's going to have a home after tonight. And then we will then start to see the development of a star in front of us and someone that we're all very interested in. He's also dressed as if he was uh, at the end of a wedding. Uh, he's got a, a full yes, white yes. suit on and uh, no tie. He looks very bored. He's ready to be picked here. He's been yawning several times as the cameras caught him at the table, but he's got a full white suit on and ready to be picked. Would you do that or the R.J. Barrett pink suit? I think the white suit works well with maybe a little uh, black trim on expression. Yes, I think that would work yes, well yes. Uh, for the NBA draft. As you're listening to the 2019 NBA draft show here on ESPN 1000, along with Chris Black, Jonathan, with you, let's hear from the potential number one pick. Uh, the thoughts from Zion Williamson. Uh, hey, is he ready to be the face of the franchise? Is he ready to be the guy? Honestly, like, I know I'm excited, but I don't, I don't know how to feel right now. I think maybe it's a lot to take in right now. I never thought I'd be in this position. So I think maybe once my name gets called, the, the emotions will come pouring forward. 22 points a game, eight rebounds, two assists, uh, two steals, and almost two blocks a game. Uh, shooting it inside, uh, I mean, think about this, 68% from the field, which is an amazing number for Zion Williamson. Yeah, and going left off that spin move, which we saw throughout the college basketball season, the one thing that people are going to knock is the shooting stroke. Uh, he didn't shoot the ball terribly uh, throughout his college basketball season at Duke, but, you know, that's one thing where you kind of look at the player and you assume that he will get better because he will put the work into it you know it's not like someone like uh, Michael Gilchrist which we knew coming out of college couldn't shoot and you kind of question that form and everything about it and that hasn't developed uh, for the Hornets so I think Zion will be okay uh, as far as the shot will go and I think everything else will carry him through and you look at that Pelicans team at the moment Drew Holiday Lonzo Ball Zion Williamson they're going to be in the top five defensive uh, stats as we go through next season. That team's going to be exciting on the defensive end of the ball. Let's also talk about who could be the number two pick in this draft, and that's Ja Morant. In the NCAA tournament, there were a number of storylines, and one of them was from a kid from a small school in Murray State being able to elevate this program. We didn't expect uh, Murray State uh, to be able to resonate as much as they did, but they did, Chris. An athletic wonder, a clever playmaker who needs to develop his jump shot and curb turnovers, but there is true star potential and Ja Morant. Think about the, how we watch the NBA, right? And a lot of it is about lead guard, just about guys that are igniters for an offense. Ja Morant could be that guy for Memphis if he's picked number two. Yeah, 24-5-10, and 10, the stats for Ja Morant. What we saw him do in the tournament, even though he was only in two games, the triple-double and everything, the three-point shots that he made in the tournament games that we watched, you know, he, he is someone that started last season as hey, this guy's going to be in the lotto. And then as the season went on, we all kind of paid attention even more and he kept 
playing uh, even better when the stage got bigger. And I think John Morant, and you're right, the way the flow of the game is, needing a point guard who can create for others and score on his own is exactly what the NBA is now. You know, and I think a lot of people have compared him to a John Wall, a Donovan Mitchell, even Dennis, Dennis Smith Jr. coming out of college. And when you take a look at those comps and you look at John Morant, I think he has more flow than some of those guys. He can create better for his teammates. And, and I think he's a player, too, that has a chip on his shoulder. So if you're someone that wants someone to be on your team who hasn't been given everything, you know, he wasn't recruited to big schools. That's right. He was an AAU teammate of Zion Williamson, but he didn't get the shine at Duke. He went to Murray State. Like, and, and that's where I think that's something that will carry him through at the league, where you look at Dame Lillard, you look at C.J. McCollum, playing at a smaller school and then getting the opportunity they have you can tell the Blazers, they have a chip on their shoulder. When they go against Golden State, they go against other teams. Damon and CJ, they have a chip on their shoulder that I don't think a kid that went to Kansas or Duke could have uh, just based on where they went to school. So uh, John Morant's fantastic. He'll, he'll be the second pick in the draft. And, and really, the Grizzlies are set up. You trade away their, their point guard, uh, Conley, and you get back John Morant just in the same year, and it works out for the future. So let's hear now from uh, Morant because, as you mentioned, you know, being on an AEU team with Zion Williamson, you think about that combo, right? The one-two punch. Would you imagine if Morant and Zion Williamson are on the same team? But let's hear now from uh, Morant his experience on being on an AEU team with Zion Williamson. Zion was in a freshman in high school. I was a sophomore. Um, like you said, we played with South Carolina Hornets. Um, we had a great season together. Um, didn't lose too many games. And, um, it was just fun being on that floor with him and just being able to throw the ball anywhere. He go get it. So I would love to say you, we might see those two in an all-star game, by the way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> so, so as we were talking to Waddle and Sylvie uh, and close to the top of the hour, we were talking about the speculation of the Bulls as we we're here at the Advocate Center. That's why we're here to see what the Bulls are going to do in the draft. You know, there's a lot of ways to go about this. My contention, Chris, has been all along the last couple of weeks is that, you know, the Bulls will be able to find, uh, identify a player that they like, and that player, I, I won't say he will pay dividends, but it'll be a player that I think will not be controversial. Unless it's a stash the Euro situation, someone completely off the board. He's, you know, the late Jerry Krause would be able to do, he would give you one of those Euro picks that you're like, who is this guy? Who are you talking about? But I think that similar to the last few years of us doing this draft show, there will be someone that the Bulls can utilize at seven, and they'll be happy with it. Uh, and But for me, I don't think that, this offseason is about us being here at the Advocate Center or about the draft. My focus is on how this team can, can stay healthy. Now, again, they'll find someone that they like, and that'll be fine. But here's the thing that you don't want. If this draft pick tonight is someone that, it, that they have to rely on, that they have to lean on, then how are you different from Atlanta, Sacramento, Knicks, teams that really struggle? Because your core should be able to lead the way here, you know, based on good health. Yeah, and, th- and that's kind of where you're, you're sitting as a Bulls fan because you would like a difference maker, right? But if it's the safe pick and it's just the guy that kind of falls to you, are you really getting to the next level? And, and I think that's where you have to have the long-term focus of what this is all about uh, tonight because uh, we sat here two years ago when the Bulls traded away Jimmy Butler. They got back Lowry Markkinen, Zach Levine, and Chris Dunn, and the rebuild started. Uh, I think when that took place, Bulls fans were in a place where they said to themselves, 
I understand. We need to we need a fresh start, and we need to have a different approach at building a championship team. Well, now we're two years into this. Uh, the team doesn't. Uh, they have nice pieces who are young, but you're not really seeing the the improvement on the court, mainly because of last season, so many injuries. Uh, if we take a couple of uh, things to look at with what they need, they absolutely need a start point guard, a starting point guard. I think that's pretty obvious. They need to upgrade the shooting. Uh, and they kind of need to add veterans in free agency to help these young players grow. So I'm not saying go out and spend wildly in free agency, but you need to get what hit singles in free agency and to improve the ball club just with, you know, some veteran presence sure. with what you have right now because you have a young a lot of young talent and that's kind of where you you come back to what Boston has been building because Boston last year was the hot team of young players that was ready to take the next step mm-hmm. that didn't happen and now you're looking at the vets on that group looking to find their way out so if you're a Bulls fan you're saying here you're like how can I get my team into the conference finals because I think that's what happens when you get to trading away Jimmy Butler, the idea is that the Bulls are going to get back to the conference finals at some point. Right. And now, if you're trying to build that back up, you look at the guys who will be available for the Bulls at 7. Will it be Kobe White? Will it be Cam Reddish? Will it be Jared Culver? Does that do it for you if you're a Bulls fan? If they stay at 7 and, and they take one of those players? Because the way it's shaping up in the top 5, those guys will all be available for you at, at 7. I'm not going to try to uh, throw cold water on what the Bulls could have at 7. Because I, as I, we just told Waddle and Sylvie, like it, it'll from my standpoint, it'll be fine. They'll find someone that that they could utilize at some point. But the focus for me is on Zach Levine. It's on the pick of Otto Porter and getting him via trade, Laurie Market, and and and, and try to figure out what you want to do at lead guard. John Paxson was very transparent with the with the press, talking about how the point guard position has to be elevated because he's not enamored with Chris Dunn. Neither was Tom Thibodeau when Chris played for. Uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves. So, uh, you know, t- to me, if you don't have health and if these guys are injured again, th- tonight does not matter. It, it, it just does not. I, I, to me, it, the focus should be on how they can be able to have, as you mentioned, some veteran presence around some of these young guys. And, 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 it, and by the way, in an Eastern Conference still, that can be had. Last year at this time, we were talking about how the Bulls could be a playoff team, especially with LeBron going to Los Angeles. They should have been if they, if they had health. Yeah. The problem is the health was bad. <laughs> the problem is that they continue to be injured. So whatever they do tonight will be fine. But I, my focus is on how are you going to build around these young guys? And since you went all in, chips in front of the table, Chris, about Zach Levine paying him. You, you had to do a, some, you know, a little sleight of hand with Otto Porter because you were going to get like a quality free agent in here. So you've got to see if marketing and some of these other guys are healthy enough to help you. Otherwise... You know, you're stuck, and this is where we've been talking about with basketball hell for a while here. Yeah, the Bulls were 29th in offensive efficiency last season, 102.5 points per 100 possessions. They were 20th in pace last season. They only had uh, 101 possessions per game. Their true shooting percentage was 54%, 28th in the league. Uh, the Bulls were actually tied for 17th in three-point percentage, which isn't terrible. Middle of the pack, 35% for a team. But the Bulls shot... 20, they were the 27th team in the league in three-point attempts, which goes back to the philosophy of the style of play. You know, we all know how this landscape of the NBA is. Three-point shots being able to be the great equalizer if you don't have enough talent. 
But the Bulls last season, 27th in the league in three-point attempts, 25.9 attempts per game. Teams at the top, Houston, they were taking 45 three-pointers per game. Milwaukee, 38. Atlanta, 37. Atlanta, not a good team. No. But trying to at least play a style of basketball to stay competitive. And if you watched any of those Hawks games towards the end of the season, the Hawks were a competitive team. They were a fun team to watch on League Pass. Because they understand that the league is about pace. It's about possessions. Get up and down the floor. Those things really matter. And they got their point guard last year, Trey Young. And he was really good this last season. And if the Bulls can get their point guard of the future and then try to implement more three-point play and more pace, for the offense, I think things could start to look in the right direction for the Chicago Bulls. So what stands out to you as far as something that's viable for uh, the Chicago Bulls at that spot? Uh, Darius Garland, by the way, is, who is a second-generation basketball player, his uh, father, Winston Garland, played for the Golden State Warriors uh, before the Warriors were a thing. Uh, but Gar- Winston Garland was a terrific role player, Darius Garland. Now, here's the thing about this. I could have swore this time last year we were talking about a player that was in the top 10, that was injured, uh, and that he had some back issues. And the Bulls could have taken him, but they did not. And now here you go to Garland. Unless you have the medicals and he's 100%, that guy is gonna be a, could be a terrific player on the next level. Is, is that the guy you're keying in on? And you're talking about Michael Porter from yep. last year from Missouri, uh, who didn't play at all last season for the Nuggets. Uh, you know, Darius Garland, here's the thing, uh, with the Cavs sitting at five, I think they're content on taking him if it happens. And I know a lot of people are going to say, but what about need? The Cavs got a point guard last year. Yeah. Listen, throughout tonight and this show and going forward, when you talk NBA, you have to remember it's positionless basketball. Uh, if you have two guard spots, you uh, dev- you times that by two, right? Sure. What do you get? You, you And by three, you're looking at 96 minutes in a game, right? Mm-hmm. That's three spots, three guys that could play 96 minutes in the game, 30 minutes a night, right? So if, if the Cavs take Garland and they have Sexton there, they could both play. If not off of each other, there's time for guys to play. So when you look at need, think about a team using two spots to try and eat up. 96 minutes of time throughout an NBA game, and that's about 30 minutes a night divided by three guys. Right. Okay, so, so like, that's where I look at Cleveland, and they very well could take if they don't get a good offer at five, and that's where if the Bulls have pointed to a need and they know it's the point guard of the future, and that's the guy, Darius Garland, you got to make a move, right? You can't allow Minnesota to get him at six or the Cavs in your division to pluck him when you know that that was the guy you wanted. Now, I do like Kobe White, so I think that as long as you land at seven, one of these two point guards, I think you're good. I think the Bulls are on their way with that point guard of of the future. I think Garland's a little bit better than White, but I I think they're both going to be really good. Um, I was talking to somebody over text about the Cavaliers and... And what they thought of Colin Sexton. I thought the numbers were good for Sexton. Yeah. Um, and, I, again, it's a perfect hire for the Cavs to be able to have John Beeline as their head coach because John does a great job, first of all, is a terrific coach on the college level, but number two, very good when working with young talent, especially guards. It's kind of one of his um, one of the things that is his calling card is he works very well with guards. So it would not surprise me that if, if Garland is there, they would take him because even though they're happy with Sexton, the, the more speed, the yeah. better. 
Yeah, and you know, and again, it's positionless basketball. So just because you have one point guard, it doesn't mean you can't have two guys. Usually, most teams have a lead guard and a, a guy who's playing off off the ball, and that's okay. And like, no matter what the situation is here in Chicago, you know, Zach Levine is going to have the ball in his hands the majority of the time. He's not a guy who's going to run off screens, spot up, and shoot. He's not Clay Thompson. So Zach Levine is your ball dominant guard. Ideally, you would have a point guard who's a better player. Then maybe Zach Levine, and then now you're really cooking as a team as you develop what you have. But, you know, look back to last season. Who had the ball in his hands the majority of the time? It wasn't Chris Dunn. It was Zach Levine. He's your ball-dominant guard. So, like, just remember that when you look at bigs, when you look at guards. That's the way the league is breaking down now. They're not as concerned with we have to have a point guard and a shooting guard and a small forward and a power forward. You know, like... Just think back to what you saw in the NBA Finals with the Warriors and the Raptors. Well, I mean, everyone in the Warriors was hurt. But, right. but ideally, if the Warriors had <laughs> players and bodies that could play. Let's hear from Fran Fraschilla from ESPN, who uh, gave his thoughts about Garland. We were talking about the young man, Darius Garland, if he could be a Bull. Should the Bulls trade up for Garland? I think you too try to trade up. I think given what I know about the Bulls, Darius Garland would be a really good fit. You know, and, and not having all the assets in front of me, roster guys, sure. draft picks in the future, knowing that David uh, Griffin right now is open for business and he doesn't have to, you know, eat the elephant all in one bite. In other words, he doesn't have to hit every home run in this draft. Obviously, the trade with the Lakers, he's looking down the road to even 24 and 25 with those draft picks. So I do think that you explore moving up to four if you're the Bulls, but you don't mortgage. Uh, the future by giving away, a, you know, in my mind, a really good young player uh, that I think could be really key. And I do think Wendell is, is one of those guys. So, um, you know, I think just think it's a matter of kind of putting a puzzle together and figuring out whether you can make a deal that satisfies, you know, both franchises. But I would look to move up, particularly to get Darius Garland. He would be the only guy from four down to seven that I would that I would look to make a deal for because of what he means to the Bulls going forward. So that's there from Fran Fischilla, who uh, covers uh, European and NBA and college basketball for ESPN. All right, coming up right around the corner in our next half hour, we will find out the number one pick in the NBA draft as we continue on here live from the Advocate Center, along with Chris Black, Jonathan Hood. You're listening to the 2019 NBA Draft Show on ESPN 1000. Welcome back to the 2019 NBA Draft Show on ESPN 1000. Welcome back to the 2019 NBA Draft Show here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Live from the Advocate Center, the uh, practice home for the Chicago Bulls with Chris Black, Jonathan Hood with you as we await the number one pick for the NBA Draft. You know, one of the, the thing that I love, Chris... Been saying this a lot on the shows at night on Under the Hood. You know, one of the things I really enjoy is the drama, the pettiness, the drama, the the interest and the movement from a news standpoint in the off season. You may not like the NBA regular season. Maybe you have a problem with uh, the playoffs. Maybe you just think that it's just too many dynasties in the NBA. But one thing that is uh, undefeated, and that is the off season for the NBA. A lot of movement and a lot of conjecture, a lot of rumors, a lot of pettiness. It's a lot of fun, uh, and I enjoy it a lot. 
Yeah, and you know the thing to kind of point out is that it's teams all trying to accomplish something. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it doesn't just happen for fun per se. It happens because teams in the league want to win championships, and you have the Los Angeles Lakers trying to accomplish a big trade to win a championship. You have the Utah Jazz going out to to get a point guard, Mike Conley, in a trade to try and win a championship. Why is that? Well, we see the Golden State Warriors, a depleted Warriors team for next season. The West is up for grabs. All of a sudden now you add in the Utah Jazz Mm -hmm. into the mix. Conley, Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert. That's a really good team. That's probably a top three team in the, the Western Conference now. So, like, that, that's where it's fun for me with the NBA is because all of these teams are trying to accomplish something. It's not just about selling tickets right. or, or just getting the good TV ratings or just being the trending thing throughout the entire season because that's the way the league has worked. It's the one league in sports outside of fantasy football in the NFL that dominates in social media. Right. And it doesn't matter what month, right? Because we know the hottest month for the NBA isn't January, February, March, April, May. It's July yeah. when, when all the player movement is taking place. So tonight is the night that kickstarts that, the NBA draft. And that's why we're here, because now the player movement starts. And now we, we kind of look to see if the Chicago Bulls can get in on this. Because what did I start this off by saying? It's all teams trying to accomplish what? Winning a championship. That's sure. why all this is going on. And I want to see the Bulls get to that spot as well. And because the NBA is based on dynasties, it's not just a championship. For Toronto, maybe it's just one championship. Maybe for when Dallas and Dirk Nowitzki won a championship. But usually, once you win a championship, the history of the league, the core of the league, is about winning multiple championships. Because once you're in, now everyone wants to be part of your championship team. So I look at the landscape of the NBA now with some of the movement. Uh, like, for instance, yesterday we got the, the you mentioned the Mike Con- deal. The end, by the way, oh, bye. the end of the Grindhouse, by the way. That's the end with Mike Conley. I heard you talking to Ryan Hollins about that. Is that when the Grindhouse ended, when when Hot Take Hollins uh, left uh, Memphis? That was probably, yeah, that was the beginning <laughs> of the end right there. But at least it, now he's with the Utah Jazz. It only makes the Utah Jazz better with Donovan Mitchell. And, and then just the offseason moves here that could happen with free agency, what's going to happen with Kyrie Irving, where's Jimmy Butler going to go. All of those, all that speculation is noteworthy and very interesting for the league because every day you're wondering until these contracts are officially signed. Yeah, and Bar- at Barclays Center, uh, Adam Silver has announced that the draft is on its way and we're with the first pick. Uh, 3.52 left on the clock for the Pelicans. They will take Zion Williamson, but the Pelicans on the clock at 3.45 left here uh, with the first pick on the board at Barclays Center. So you're right. All this movement and all the player action coming into the draft tonight just spices it up, right? And you look at the grindhouse, the fact that that has now been pulled apart. Conley's gone. Gasol, gone. Ryan Hollins, gone. But he'll be back on your show. Is he a part of tonight's show? Is tonight night four? Everything's a surprise on the draft show. You never know what's going to happen. Right, right. because uh, I'm looking forward to the six more appearances he has on Under the... (laughs) (laughs) So we are awaiting the, uh, the, the so we got to mention the New Orleans Pelicans in this regard. The New Orleans Pelicans, I thought, did a, a terrific job here 
because the Pelicans with Anthony Davis, he wanted out of New Orleans and he got his wish and he will officially be a Los Angeles Laker next year. After Dell Demps was fired as GM, the Pelicans turned to my former colleague at Series 6M NBA radio, David Griffin. Griff makes the deal that makes the Pelicans at least interesting. Lonzo Ball, Drew Holiday, Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart, and the number four pick from the Lakers coming into this draft and other picks from Los Angeles. So the cupboard isn't bare for New Orleans and the fans at Smoothie King have something to watch in the 1920 season. So let the good times roll for New Orleans because the difference is you, you pick Zion, yes, but he comes in with other veterans around him. This is now the pressure is not necessarily on Zion. There's other Lakers that want to prove themselves that are now Pelicans. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll try, we'll try and figure out what Brandon Ingram is. We'll figure out what Lonzo Ball is. That's not a player I'm sour on. I, I know he hasn't started off his career in the best fashion, but I think Lonzo Ball has skills that other players in the NBA don't have. He has the ability to create off the dribble, create for others, and he's really good defensively. So I think pairing Lonzo Ball with Drew Holiday and Zion Williamson, that's going to be a really good defensive team. And those Laker players are going to have a chip on their shoulder. LeBron didn't want them, right? Right. Like the best player in the world, if not of the generation of ever, right? LeBron James didn't want you. You don't think that's going to fire those guys up, perhaps? You add them with Zion Williamson. You have what the Pelicans have coming into this season. They're not your typical team that had the number one pick, right? Like, if Anthony Davis was healthy and didn't have this trade request and whatever took place behind the scenes with Rich Paul and Clutch Sports and LeBron James, the Pelicans wouldn't have been in a situation to get the number one pick. They win the lottery. They get the number one pick to replace Anthony Davis with a star who's ready for the league and probably one of the most famous NBA players to enter the league. Right. I, it's great for the Pelicans, and they're, they're set up for the future. Somebody's listening and probably saying, well, what does this mean? Does that mean that they are destined for the NBA championship? No, I think at the beginning, because of this deal, and remember, on the surface, you cannot get a top 10 player and get equal value for a top 10 player. But, no. but nothing else, Chris, you're able to get – pieces around Zion Williamson, which is a positive in the right direction. Lonzo Ball still needs to develop his shot, but I, I know one thing. He's an NBA player, and he can be able to, to be able to provide some spark. Ball to Zion, Zion to Ball would be a great one-two punch as Zion grows. I'm a big fan of Brandon Ingram. I might be in the minority with that. I like Brandon Ingram, and I like his upside. You've got a, a, a solid guy like Josh Hart out of Villanova. Drew Holiday's already on the team. That is a good starting five to start with for Zion and his freshman campaign in the NBA. A couple of things to keep an eye on here with uh, the picks in front of the Bulls at seven. So Minnesota... Uh, traded with Phoenix to get the sixth pick tonight. Phoenix is now at 11. Adrian Wojnarowski, Minnesota is engaged in multiple conversations for the sixth picks. We'll wait and see whether or not that pick will be on the move again. Again, something to, to pay attention to because the Bulls, if one of those point guards goes at five, Darius Garland is someone trying to move into six to get Kobe White and to jump the Chicago Bulls. Here's the commissioner, Adam Silver. With the first pick in the 2019 NBA Draft, the New Orleans Pelicans select Zion Williamson from Duke University. Mike Schmitz, Player Profile. 
The most explosive athlete we've ever seen on a basketball court, Zion Williamson is built for the modern NBA. He can switch all five positions, he can protect the rim, he can move his feet on the perimeter, and then he's a mismatched nightmare on the other end of the floor. Plays as hard as any number one prospect I can remember, but needs to improve his conditioning, needs to improve his defensive discipline, and needs to improve as a perimeter shooter. Shot only 34% from three as a freshman at Duke. So Zion Williamson, the number one pick for the New Orleans Pelicans, as he is in a full white suit, as we mentioned, looking like he is uh, a part of a wedding, uh, maybe a Caribbean wedding, uh, where it's very warm, and he's got no socks and black shoes. As he puts on the New Orleans Pelicans hat, the number one pick in the draft is Zion Williamson, 22 points a game, eight rebounds, and uh, two assists. The, uh, the potential of a five-position defender with a rare combination of strength, agility, anticipation skills. All those things are, are in the positive and the right direction for Zion Williamson. Now, when Schmidt says, like, the most explosive player that we've ever seen, I think that might be some hyperbole. But if, as we're, if we're doing prisoner for the moment, uh, definitely that, that was the case in college at Duke for him. Yeah, and, and if, if not, uh, he's definitely in the conversation, right? Uh, from guys like Dominique Wilkins, Michael Jordan, LeBron James coming into the league and how explosive they are. Uh, I think the thing to point out with Zion Williamson defensively, I know that Mike Schmitz uh, pointed out that he's going to need to get into better shape. I agree. And when you get to an NBA level team and you have the nutrition and, and everything put into you, what you have for an NBA franchise, he'll get there. Uh, he is really good defensively. Off the bat, he's going to be a great defender. I think also his passing is underrated and his ability to create for others I think is great because when he gets into the lane, which he can do so so easily, he's able to find teammates. Zion Williamson going with the flat bill cap of the New Orleans Pelicans. According to Bobby Marks, Zion Williamson will earn $9.7 million in year one of his contract, $44.2 million in total money over four years. Welcome to the NBA, Zion Williamson. So Williamson is in, and now we go to the number two pick with the Memphis Grizzlies. The uh, RIP Grindhouse. Remember the Grindhouse for the Memphis <laughs> Grizzlies, the tough players like Zach Randolph and Marcus Saul and Tony Allen. That all ended when Memphis thought that they were real players in the NBA landscape because remember the $94 million deal for Chandler Parsons, the uh, Mike Conley's $153 million deal that really killed the mystique of the grindhouse. As the Grizzlies build, Memphis will continue to be known for their barbecue and Jerry the King Lawler, who's still wrestling, by the way, and not the Grizzlies. So let's keep our eyes here on, on the Grizzlies here. So without Conley... And, boy, it would have been a great one-two punch with Morant and, and Conley in this positionless basketball. But they traded Conley, and they want Morant to be the guy. So it, you say uh, the grindhouse is dead. Uh, would you suggest that too much grind is what actually did in the Grizzlies as this season went on because of the injuries? You know, like the fact that Marcus Gasol, Mike Conley couldn't stay healthy. You know, it, we talked about the Pelicans being a team in a situation that's not your typical number one pick in an NBA draft. Yep. That's the same thing for the Grizzlies. If this team was healthy, this is a playoff team. But Gasol, Conley, injured, and then they decide to go into a new direction, that's where you get the Grizzlies now picking second with John Moran on the board. And, it, you know, it's a fresh jump start to the organization where most teams have to suffer through 10, 15 years of terrible basketball to get to this point. The Grizzlies had some key injuries, and then they moved away with players. They said, Marcus Gasol, go win a championship with the Raptors. Conley, we're going to trade you to Utah. So, like, it, that's where the Grizzlies are set for the future now with Jackson and now Morant, and, and they're really in the right direction as far as building and a core going forward. 
Here's the thing. Yes, they're in the right direction. And we're talking about a team that was, as you remember, 48, 50, 50 plus wins and always a tough out in the playoffs. That's what they were, uh, it, you know, when they were really, really solid uh, under Lionel Hollins. But this really is a do over for them uh, because with Morant, you need some building blocks here with this team. And again, we talked about the big contracts of, of uh, Parsons and of Conley, but it's almost like a, two things. Find your identity, and number two, stop firing coaches. You know, if you have an identity, stop firing coaches every other year. Find the guy that you want and set your program up. Yeah, I agree with you there because, you know, when you have a steady influence throughout the front office, the coaching staff, to the players and the organization, you have you all have a direction. And, and that, I think that is what has gotten lost over the last couple of years with the Grizzlies. They've had the talent. They just didn't have the right direction as an organization. Time for the number two pick. Here's the commissioner, Adam Silver. With the second pick in the 2019 NBA draft, the Memphis Grizzlies select... John Moran from Murray State University. Mike Schmitz, player profile. The most entertaining player in college basketball not named Zion Williamson, John Morant has everything teams are looking for in a franchise point guard. He's explosive with head-at-the-rim bounce, impossible to keep in front. He has the ball on a string, and he can make every single ball screen read. He's the best passer in the draft. Teammates love playing with him. On the flip side, he's only 170 pounds, not a great defender, plays with kind of a laissez-faire attitude, has some questions to answer about his perimeter shooting as well, but in terms of his basketball IQ and his athleticism, he's a total package. So Jean Morant, uh, who is now with the Memphis Grizzlies, the young man out of Murray State, electric passer who generates in the open space for teammates, uh, excellent shot creation upside. I will tell you this, is that for the sample size that we saw him uh, in D1 as a guy that gave the uh, Murray State Racers 20 and 10, uh, I will tell you, it's going to be quite the jump for him. Okay. From this small school right to the NBA, uh, I think that the Grizzlies organization is banking on Morant to be the guy and to be almost uh, to replicate what Conley brought to the table for that Memphis team. Yeah, 24 points per game, 5 rebounds, 10 assists for John Morant at Murray State. He's an electric passer. He has uh, excellent uh, ability to create his own shot. Uh, he has the potential to be a complete threat in the open court and create for others uh, and teammates. And, and I think the one thing that I would keep an eye on with John Morant is the, develop, the development of his game may take a little time. Not saying it won't get there, but you point out, Jonathan, the fact that the talent that he faced all season long, he was the darling of the tournament until they got bounced. But, you know, you look at what he faced throughout the season, it's not like he was facing Duke, North Carolina, and and Kentucky throughout the year. You know, it's easy to put up triple-double-like stats when you're playing in the Ohio Valley and you're a talent who's going to be an NBA-level star. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I I would be... Hesitant on just assuming he's going to show up and be fantastic. I think it will take a little bit of time, but that's why the Grizzlies are set up. They have the time now to allow him to develop, and it's a great pick. I've seen the same comparisons that Chauncey Billups has seen, talking about how Morant is on the same level as uh, as uh, De'Aaron Fox. We'll see. We'll see right about I, that, right? I feel like De'Aaron Fox has more pace. If anyone has the pace that Fox has, I think it's Kobe White. 
I, I don't see John Morant with that. I see a, a little Russell Westbrook as far as the explosion. I see a little of a, a John Wall, perhaps. Oh. Uh, so, you know, like that, that's what I say. I mean, I, to me, when you look at De'Aaron Fox, he's a guy that gets the rebound and goes down to the other end of the court in a second. You're listening to the 2019 NBA Draft on ESPN 1000, the ESPN app, along with Chris Black, Jonathan Hood with you, broadcasting live from the Advocate Center here in Chicago as we're at pick number three with the New York Knicks. All oh, the Knicks. Nobody thinks they're the hottest thing walking into the club like the New York Knicks. Uh, I know you want me. No, I don't, Knicks. I don't want you. Haven't won a title since 1973, and for the number one media market, the Knicks haven't been able to have sustained success in the playoffs. We go back to 2012-2013 under Mike Woodson. That was the last time the Knicks had made the playoffs. Kevin Durant gets hurt. He's not coming. Tried to tank. That didn't work. Tried to get the number uh, three pick to be Zion Williamson. That's not going to be the case for them. Take that, Knicks. Take that. Here they are in a spot here where they're not getting Morant, not getting Zion Williamson, but here they are at number three. You know, the consolation prize of an R.J. Barrett is pretty good, though. And I think if if the season would have played out differently for R.J. Barrett, if he was better in the tournament, if Duke would have gone on to the Final Four, R.J. Barrett could have still been the second pick in the draft, if not the best. And I know that people will say, like, what are you talking about, better than Zion Williamson? Listen, R.J. Barrett is a great offensive player. I think it's unfair the way that he has been critiqued. His stock has dropped since uh, the end of the season. People don't think that he's going to be any good. Uh, The Knicks getting R.J. Barrett three is fantastic, and at the end of the day, we might be very well looking back and saying that R.J. Barrett's the best player out of this draft. You know, I I feel that Barrett can be that guy that can be around for 10, 12 years as just a solid player. This is no knock on Zion Williamson, but Barrett just seems like that guy, doesn't he? I mean, uh, a good athlete, and for the longest time, was a guy that uh, only wanted to work out for the New York Knicks. And, and by the way, with R.J. Barrett only wanting to work out for the Knicks, he'd be the only one that actually wants to be around New York and be around the Knicks. <laughs> you know, and, and then you mentioned it too, Kevin Durant gets hurt. Will he sign with the Knicks even though he's hurt, or will he go back to Golden State? It, it's amazing how in a week the Knicks' plans for their future that they've all been saving up for completely dashed away. As a Bulls fan, you got to love that, though. Well, you, the, the fact that the Knicks, here we come, we're going to sign two max guys this offseason. Nope. No, you're not. I mean, I mean, Bulls fans can complain about this team, but you're not New York. No. I tell, I tell you that right now. You're not the Knicks because that is a dumpster fire. And, and last time they had two max spots, two big spots, that was Amari Stoudemire. As we get ready to hear from Commissioner Adam Silver for the number three pick. With the third pick. In the 2019 NBA Draft, the New York Knicks select R.J. Barrett from Toronto and Duke University. Mike Schmitz, Player Profile. Barrett is exactly what teams are looking for in a modern shot creator. 6'7", 210 pounds, can push in the open court, can score from all three levels at a pick and roll, and an extremely underrated facilitator. He's going to look much better with NBA spacing, had little to no shooting around him at Duke. But teams want to see him play with a little bit more unselfishness. He's not the most disciplined defender, but in terms of a guy who can step in right away and have an impact as a rookie, R.J. Barrett is up there in the top three. So there is R.J. Barrett, the number three pick, going to the New York Knicks because he wanted to be with the Knicks. He worked out with the Knicks almost exclusively here, Chris. 22.6 points a game. R.J. Barrett, the second best player on Duke for that class. Yeah, a lot of people compare him to Jalen Rose or Andrew Wiggins based on his talent level. Uh, I think his... Well, uh, <laughs> well, 
Well, hold on a second now. The former more so than the latter. Okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, uh, you don't want to be Andrew Wiggins. Well, you know, if you give Max effort, if you get the good Wiggins nights, that, that's a pretty good player. <laughs> but there's there, there's also the sleepy Wiggins nights, and you know this. I love that. Ask Tom Thibodeau about that. The sleepy Wiggins nights. <laughs> uh, you know, because you don't know if he's playing basketball or he's selling popcorn in the stands. Yes, he's just hanging out on the court. True. Um, but R.J. Barrett, you know, you look at the fact that he's able to create in space, and I love his tempo. I love the ability that he has to go end-to-end and to be able to create his own shot with the dribble, dribble penetration, create for others, be able to score, you know, especially around that, you know, elbow area. He's very good being able to rise and fire from that spot. I think R.J. Barrett's fantastic. 22 points in college, seven rebounds per game. Really good player. Uh, Some news from Adrian Wojnarowski, and again, you can follow him on Twitter. Uh, Cleveland is still discussing possible trades, including the fifth overall pick, and separate deals to unload J.R. Smith's partially guaranteed expiring contract. Uh, That would absorb a bad contract there with uh, J.R. Smith. So if you're a Bulls fan and you know that you need to move up to get Darius Garland, is that the consensus from many people here at Advocate Center tonight? Is that I think we all kind of point to Darius Garland as the guy the Bulls need to go and get. Uh, are you willing to take on more bad money, a guaranteed contract of J.R. Smith, to move up to land your guy? Now, if you don't have to give up that number one pick for next year, is that worth it? That's a big question that's on the table as the Lakers at this point in time are on the clock with the number four pick. The Los Angeles Lakers, they went from the outhouse to not quite the penthouse, but definitely going in the right direction. The two-year plan for Magic Johnson was year one to get LeBron James. They did that. They didn't make the playoffs. There was a lot of injuries. But year two was to be able to find someone to play along with LeBron James. That has been solved as Anthony Davis now goes to the Los Angeles Lakers. Now on draft night, what do the Lakers do? Because even though Davis as well as uh, LeBron James are the one-two punch along with Kuzma, you still need to fill out a roster. And so they are really really working hard to try to be able to clear off some of the rest of the players on that roster to add yet another max player. Yeah, and the Lakers, uh, for what they're going to piece around Anthony Davis and LeBron James, this pick is going to be the pick that is traded to the Pelicans and then moved on again because Atlanta is the team that traded up 2-4. So Atlanta gets the fourth pick. The Pelicans, in return tonight, they will get 8, 17, and 35. So the Pelicans have three more picks later tonight, 8, 17, and 35. Atlanta will be the team taking this player, even though it's the Lakers' pick on the clock right now, because this is the pick that's going to be a part of the Anthony Davis trade, which if you have read or heard anything about what Rob Planka was doing with this trade is that he wasn't prepared for it. He wasn't prepared for the details on figuring out how to accomplish a three-team deal. Uh, so, you know, you look at the fact that this pick, uh, even though it's the Lakers, will it be going to New Orleans? Will it be going off to Atlanta? Atlanta owns the pick based on the trade with the Pelicans at the moment. The, uh, the New Orleans Pelicans, I believe, and we talked to a number of people over the last couple of weeks, the last week, about what the Pelicans could do at that pick. If you're David Griffin, the general manager, I would have traded that pick myself to be able to find another veteran player. Maybe he sees value in the four. Maybe he finds someone there that he can go along and say, you know, they already have a, a number of veterans along with Zion Williamson. I would have traded that pick. Uh, Bobby Marks uh, was on the program uh, this past Sunday with J.D. and I and said that he would take that pick and go down in the draft. 
What do you think? What do you yeah, think and that, and that's exactly what the Pels did. You know, they they got eight, seventeen, and thirty-five for the fourth pick. So you you look at the Hawks and and what they're going to be able to add. They last year made a move to get their guy Trey Young, and and they were an exciting young team to watch last season. And and they they have a style of play. Um, Travis Shelnick from uh, the GM for the Hawks is a guy from Golden State. He used to work in the Golden State Warriors front office. So the idea that he's trying to build there is he's trying to build a Golden State Warriors-type team in Atlanta. And he already has Trey Young. They now move up to that fourth pick from the Pelicans. So David Griffith saying that he's going to move back, that's exactly what he did today. Mm-hmm. He told us what he was going to do. And you know, and that's where you look at the Hawks now. Uh, this fourth pick, what are they looking for? Is it a forward? Is it another shooter to go with Trey Young? And that's what we're kind of watching as the pick is in, as we kind of wait out whether or not uh, who that pick will be. You're listening to ESPN 1000, WMVP AM Chicago, along with Chris Black, Jonathan Hood with you, broadcasting live from the Advocate Center in Chicago for our coverage of the 2019 NBA draft as uh, we are here with the assembled media awaiting what the Bulls and everybody else does here in the NBA draft. We knew uh, what the first few picks were going to be by having Zion Williamson going number one, and then from there uh, looking at um, R.J. Barrett going three, John Morant going two. Uh, So that's the first three picks, and it's going as we thought it would all along. Yeah, and Jonathan, our coverage tonight is brought to you by Jewel Osco and Distinctive Gold Jewelry in Frankfurt. Limited commercial interruption tonight throughout the program. We'll be here till 11 o'clock, if not question mark, as we will talk to John Paxson and Gar Foreman after they meet the media tonight. So we'll be here throughout the show. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm taking a look at what we have going forward for the Chicago Bulls and what they have in front of them, right? Three picks off the board, the Lakers pick, which is the Hawks pick after the trades. Uh, will a point guard be on the board for the Bulls at seven? That's the key here. Will the Bulls be able to walk away from tonight happy getting the guy they wanted, knowing the needs? They need a point guard. They need a starting elite-level point guard. They need shooting. They need vets to, to assist these young players to grow and develop. Can the Bulls accomplish that tonight? Yeah, they could find someone, but will that person be someone that you could utilize right away? That's the thing. Because uh, if that pick is going to be a lead guard, because, again, that's something that's really needed for this Bulls team, there is not a feeling of, of support for, um, for Chris Dunn. So, Chris, that being the case... If they find themselves a lead guard, that lead guard, you hope that can be able to step in right away and help you. I just don't know if there's someone that is a lead guard that can be able to be in the starting lineup with Laurie Marketing to be there with uh, Zach Levine. Not right away. I can see that person being a role player, worked in, uh, you know, step by step, but not to the point where I think that guy is going to lead like Zion, lead like RJ, lead like John Moran. Yeah, so, you know, Darius Garland, uh, DeAndre Hunter, Jared Culver, Cam Reddish, uh, are any of those guys going to change the franchise? Not right away. Not right away. Kobe White? I don't, I don't know right away if that's the case. And I'm, I'm staying away from the, the coaching aspect of this because really our focus has to be on the draft, but it's about development as we hear from Adam Silver. With the fourth pick in the 2019 NBA draft, The Los Angeles Lakers select DeAndre Hunter from the University of Virginia. Mike Schmitz, player profile. 
Hunter is arguably the draft's most versatile defender. Checked all five positions at Virginia. 6'8", 230 pounds, 7'2", wingspan, moves like a guard on the perimeter, and can space the floor offensively. Shot over 40% from three as a sophomore. Had some huge moments in the NCAA tournament, but there are some questions about his upside. Doesn't have that much to his game off the dribble. He's not the most dynamic shot creator for others, and his feel for the game has room to improve. So DeAndre Hunter, top five caliber prospect, but does he have all-star upside deandre hunter the forward from virginia uh an atlanta hawk yeah so uh it's the lakers pick that was then traded to the pelicans in the anthony davis deal and then traded on tonight uh to the uh atlanta hawks and the pels get back 8 17 and 35 so they have a ton of picks coming up later tonight the uh andre hunter uh 48 from three this season at virginia he wins the national championship 15 points per game five rebounds really good defender this is a true three and d player uh you know that that's a buzz phrase in today's nba three and d yep deandre hunter is exactly that i think a player that he reminds me of is luol dang Luol Deng as best is exactly what DeAndre Hunter is. He'll contribute right away to a Hawks team that needs some good defensive stability. And I, I wouldn't look for him to be a one-on-one scorer offensively. He's going to be a guy that's going to be set in the corner. When Trey Young drives, he'll kick it out, open for three. He hit 48% of those in college last year at Virginia. Well, we'll make sure that uh, you guys are up to speed on what is going on as far as the wheeling and dealing here on draft night. Bobby Marks from ESPN, our general manager, says Atlanta is set to have seven players on first-round rookie contracts. Priority with remaining $14 million in room is filling out the bench with veterans. So Atlanta is set to have seven players on first-round rookie contracts, which is a ton. We've got to move some of those, I believe, also for oh, Atlanta. Yeah, for sure. And the Cavs are now on the clock with four minutes left uh, on the clock for the Cleveland Cavaliers, and that's a spot that Bulls fans should be interested in. Uh, Adrian Wojnarowski says that barring a trade, the Cavs are focused on Vandy guard Darius Garland with the number five pick. So, again, with uh, the Cavaliers on the clock, we'll keep our eyes uh, on that story. We were uh, talking about the Cavs. You know, Cavs, they were in the finals, Chris. Cavs were in the finals four years in a row, win a championship. LeBron leaves right into the toilet. So it's time for the experiment phase in Cleveland. New head coach in John Beeline. Uh, It was so bad in Cleveland last season. Ty Lue can't get hired by an NBA team. And rumor has it that he grew his cornrows out again. Oh, he did. What do you think of year one with Colin Sexton? I I thought Colin Sexton was pretty good last season. You know, the the thing with Cleveland is they were so bad for the majority of the year that they were one of those teams this season that started tanking games. And they were intentionally trying to lose. And I think a couple of them we saw against the Bulls last season where the Bulls were kind of not playing their full roster and the Cavs are not playing their full roster and then you have the Spider-Man meme two guys looking at each other yeah. like who's going to tank worse uh, that happened a couple times but you know listen Sexton is pretty good I liked what we saw from him last season I wouldn't be shocked that they take another guard here because again with two guard positions you have enough bodies to play guys 30 minutes a night if you have three guards playing 30 minutes a night that that's about what you have for the two spots so I think that work that would work out well Circling back to what we were talking about just moments ago, though, Chris, barring a trade, the Cavs are focused on, a, you mentioned a guard. Darius Garland could step right in there in front of the Bulls and take what they need. And, again, the Cavs are not in 
business to try to take care of the Bulls. Bulls need a lead guard as well. However, Darius Garland, if he's there and if you're the Cavs, you need to be able to have someone to go play along with Sexton. So that would be a solid pick for Cleveland. Listen, I love Darius Garland, and I've heard the Bulls front office loves Darius Garland. This is the player that they, they pinpointed and they wanted. Uh, whether or not they can accomplish something in the next two minutes to get a deal done to maybe get this player, he's going to go off the board and he's going to go to one of your rivals, the Cleveland Cavaliers. Here's what I like about Darius Garland. His ability with the ball to create space gets shot off from anywhere. He can do that. That's what today's NBA is all about. Point guards who can create for themselves in the pick and roll to avoid the defender to shoot over, and if not, Hezzy, go all the way to the rim and get into the lane. Now, he's not a great defend, uh, finisher around the rim, but the fact that he gets there, he's a good shooter, he'll shoot a lot of free throws. I think that Darius Garland is made, tailor-made for today's NBA. So the best available, Darius Garland, Kobe White is still on the board, so is Jared Culver, who I suspect will be there at 7 for the Bulls if they want him. Also Cam Reddish, Nasir Little, who has not had a lot of press. Uh, Nasir Little is a top 10 pick in this draft. Uh, but, you know, Garland very well could be going to the Cavs here, and that means upstairs here at the Advocate Center there's got to be some, some thinking. Do you see any movement? No. No, they've got it blocked off yes, there. Yeah. You could, uh, as we look at here from our viewpoint here across the court here at the Advocate Center, we can see the offices. A lot of uh, lot of dark nights. Dark, I don't see anything. Yeah, I don't see anything there. Yeah, the shades are drawn yeah. in the offices where they're uh, the conference room where they're sitting, so we can't see in. Uh, and usually, when something goes down, we can usually see people scurrying about. We've yet to see any movement. You like the Beeline choice for the Cavs? Yeah, I do. You know, I, I think uh, if you've read enough about John Beeline, at every level he's been a winner, and he gets the most out of his players, and he's very good at developing talent. So I think if you uh, look at what the Cavs are putting together with young players in this rebuild, he's going to be right there. Now, is it normal for a college coach who's that age to get a gig for the first time in the NBA? No. No. It's not. And it's also one of those things that we kind of point to. College coaches don't always turn out well in the NBA. You know, Brad Stevens, heard you talking about it last night. What's his record in the playoffs? Yeah, it's under, it's 500 500 as we go to Adam Silver, the commissioner. With the fifth pick in the 2019 NBA draft, the Cleveland Cavaliers select Darius Garland from Vanderbilt University. Mike Schmitz, player profile. Garland is the most dynamic shot maker in the draft. He has incredible range from well beyond the NBA line. He can get to it off the catch. He can get to it off the bounce. He has tremendous footwork and creates space at will. He can change speeds. He can change directions, has the ball on a string. But there are questions about his durability. Played only five games at Vanderbilt. He's very slight of build, and he needs to improve as a facilitator and as a defender. So the second-generation ball player Darius Garland, his dad was uh, Winston Garland, a terrific player in the NBA. Uh, the season pick-and-roll playmaker with tremendous feel and tempo is uh, picked by the Cleveland Cavaliers. When we come back, we'll find out what Phoenix is going to do, and then we get to the Bulls pick at number 7. You're listening to the 2019 NBA Draft Show, live from the Advocate Center, with Chris Black, Jonathan Hood. You're listening to ESPN 1000. This is the 2019 NBA Draft Show on ESPN 1000 with Jonathan Hood and Chris Black. You're listening to the 2019 NBA Draft Show here on ESPN 1000. Jonathan and Chris with you live from the Advocate Center here in Chicago for the uh, draft as 
The Phoenix Suns are on the board, but that is not the Suns pick. That is going to Minnesota. Yeah, Minnesota and Phoenix earlier tonight, they swapped picks. So Minnesota will have this sixth pick even though the Suns are on the clock. And then the Suns will drop down to 11. Adrian Wojnarowski just tweeted, Minnesota is on the clock for six, and they're still on the phones discussing a trade uh, proposition. League sources tell ESPN. So are the Bulls trying to move to six to get a point guard, mainly Kobe White? Well, since we're talking about Minnesota, life without Tom Thibodeau and Jimmy Butler is not as much fun in the Twin Cities. But with the drama tabled for now, the T-Wolves can get back to business, right? I mean, the Timberwolves have moved quickly this week uh, as uh, Rosas... The president of basketball operations, as well as Ryan uh, Saunders, is doing a good job as a head coach, just trying to get things back in order. Because even though there was some winning there, there was a lot of uh, controversy, some unnecessary controversy with Jimmy Butler and Tom Thibodeau. So they're just trying to get themselves back on track in Minnesota. Yeah, and we, we discussed Andrew Wiggins a little bit earlier in the show. You know, what is the star level potential for Andrew Wiggins, Carl Anthony Towns, and what they have putting together for the Timberwolves? You know, uh, getting things kind of right in the right direction. Think about it. They were in the playoffs two years ago. But then also, you look at what's taking place with uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves, and you wonder whether or not they will be able to get to the spot where they were a couple of years ago with Jimmy Butler. Now they need more to add to Wiggins and to Carl Anthony Towns. Well, you know, again, the Bulls will be the next pick, and they're looking for a lead guard. The hope is is that the Minnesota Timberwolves find something that's not a lead guard because in this particular spot, the Wolves, by the way, they need a number of things. First of all, they need, need maturity. Let's start there with uh, the Wiggins and so, Carl So you're Towns. suggesting uh, they're not going to take Cam Reddish here? Is, I, is this not a spot for Cam Reddish? I would say that Jackson it, Hayes. I would no? say that if maturity was on the board, they should All take right. that first. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think maturity is coming out next year. Yeah, so the, I think if that was available, they should take that first because we're talking about two quality players, right? They can give you a double double every night if you if you need them to, but yet there's underachievement there in Minnesota. Well, what are we always talking about? Uh, potential. Yeah. And when you have potential and young players, uh, then it gets to a point where you have to prove it. Right, like You can always have all the potential in the world, but until you actually go out and produce, what is it? People always rave about the PER numbers of Carl Anthony Towns and the stats he's putting up at the size that he is. Yeah, but is he a winning player? Is Andrew Wiggins a winning player? They need winning players in Minnesota. That's what they need. Yeah, something that's really needed for this, this team. Again, it's a long way away from the days of KG and others that were leading that Timberwolves team. They're just trying to find an identity uh, in Minneapolis-St. Paul. All right, so the pick is in. We are waiting for this pick as the commissioner, Adam Silver, trots out. And here is the pick for the Minnesota Timberwolves. With the sixth pick in the 2019 NBA draft, the Phoenix Suns select... Jared Culver from Texas Tech University. Mike Schmitz, player profile. Culver was one of the most improved players in the country, leading Texas Tech in points, rebounds, assists. He's exactly what teams are looking for in a shot creator who can get it done at all three levels. He makes his teammates better, and he's a competitive defender. But there are some major questions about his shooting touch. He overhauled his release in the offseason, shot around 30% from three as a sophomore, and just doesn't have the most natural stroke. So he's going to have to improve as a shooter for teams to feel comfortable handing him the ball and saying, you're the focal point of our offense. So Jared Culver, 
the shooting guard going to the Minnesota Timberwolves. Culver, 18.5 points a game, 6.4 rebounds. A versatile wing who will fill a myriad of roles uh, and be a primary shot creator for the Timberwolves. He is now going to Minnesota. And more importantly for Bulls fans waiting for their team to come up at 7, that means Kobe White is on the board for the Bulls to take if that's the player they want. So as we discussed, Jared Culver, the board has fallen the way of the Chicago Bulls. They did not have to move, and a point guard will be there. Now whether or not they take that point guard, we will see in the next couple minutes. But uh, Jared Culver will be a part of the Timberwolves as that pick was made by the Suns, traded to the Timberwolves earlier tonight. For the 6th pick and the 11th pick, they swapped those two picks. So, Jer Culver, 18.5 points per game, 6 rebounds, 3 assists. We saw him make the run with Texas Tech in the tournament. One of the best players in the tournament this yep. last season. Really smart player, good defensively, good off the dribble, and he has an ability to make shots as well. He's just not known as a shooter, but he can kind of do a little bit of everything. And I think that's where you get to the point. We're at the point of the draft, outside the point guards, where you're now looking at players who are solid role guys. And and in some drafts, you hope that the entire lottery has potential to be all-stars. I don't know if Jared Culver is ever going to be an all-star, but I'm, I'm pretty sure he's going to be a starter. Uh, for a long time for the Timberwolves and be able to give some of that maturity we were talking about with yep. Wiggins and Towns. Now you have a player who has won, who ha- is a no-nonsense type of guy. He'll play defense. He'll score when he needs to. And, and you like what he brought to the table for Texas Tech in that tournament run. Now let's talk about the 22-60 and 60 Chicago Bulls, 13th in it. the East this past season. Let's talk about uh, a team here that is really in need of a lead guard. I've mentioned to you several times now that I really like the transparency of John Paxson for him to tell the press something that you and I and a lot of Bulls fans already knew is that there was an issue at the lead guard spot. There's a lot of issues with the Bulls. But at the lead guard spot, they felt that they weren't getting enough production from Chris Dunn and others. And so... I believe that in this draft, you don't outdumb the room. There's always several ways to look at these drafts, Chris. You draft for need or draft for for best available. I think you can get both with the next pick. Isn't it beautiful the way this has worked out? Now, pull the trigger. Uh, Adrian Morjanowski on Twitter just now. Uh, You know how he's not trying to scoop the live draft show, and we are a live draft show, the TV show on ESPN television as well. Uh, Adrian Morjanowski just tweeted, the Bulls are focused on... Kobe White at seven per sources. So if you're a Bulls fan, you should be ecstatic because you're right, Jonathan, this is a need and it's the best player available. A really good point guard that I think it's up for debate whether or not he's the second best point guard in this draft. A lot of people think it's Darius Garland. I really love Kobe White and the fact that the Bulls could add him at point guard is exactly what this team is missing. Well, Kobe White is a guy from North Carolina who has been... Uh, table has been tabbed as maybe the next Gilbert Arenas. You think about Arenas, the kind of player that he was. Yeah. Um, someone that was able to get up and down the floor, create his own shot, had energy when he played with Washington during that time. Uh, if Kobe White is the pick here, uh, then Boy, if he's anything like Gilbert Arenas, that would be a terrific find for Chicago. Yeah, let's. Uh, you know how John Morant is a creator as a point guard mm-hmm. and, and getting up and down the floor and, and making moves to get others the ball? Kobe White is a scorer. Uh, So I wouldn't be surprised if Bulls fans come to love him based on his scoring ability. And that's what he was good, and that's why he came to North Carolina in the first place. He was kind of forced into the point guard role at North Carolina. He wasn't meant to be a point guard. So, you know, I I think some uh, may hear that and say, well, the Bulls need a true point guard. 
that's not how this league is anymore. The fact that you could pair Kobe White with Zach Levine, have two elite scorers in the backcourt, yep. that's going to be huge. It's going to open up space for Lowry Markkinen. It's going to open up space in the paint for Wendell Carter Jr. and Otto Porter. I, I think this is a fantastic thing to happen for the Chicago Bulls if this is who they pick at seven. Okay, we're going to wait here because it's another 90 seconds, but veteran wings, leadership, when you are the youngest team in the NBA, there's a lot that's need, that is needed for this Bulls team. Tonight is not going to be the final chapter in that. This offseason, because the Bulls are unable or are just not in a position to be able to get quality free agents, A-less free agents. The, the hope is is that if you are Chicago, you are going to the middle of the barrel, finding veteran leadership off the bench to be able to help this team. Because, again, you're going with young players, but it's it's about trying to do the right thing by finding the middle of the ground. Now, now here's the other thing, too. In free agency, I've been saying a lot about Pat Beverly. Pat Beverly could go to the Clippers and go other places, but you know we continue to hear about the Derrick Rose and bring Rose home. Pat Beverly would be a terrific guy to go along with Kobe White for sure. Yeah, and if that was the guy, uh, he, let's go to Brooklyn for the pick with Adam Siller. With the seventh pick in the 2019 NBA Draft, the Chicago Bulls select Kobe White from the University of North Carolina. White was the catalyst for one of the most exciting offenses in all of college basketball. He's a foot-on-the-gas player who's extremely aggressive in the open court, averaged 16 points a game in under 30 minutes, can shoot it off the bounce, can shoot it off the catch. He's a microwave scorer type of guard who's improved his on-ball play, but he's very much a score-first player right now. He's sped up, he doesn't know how to play at different speeds, needs to do a better job of playing without tunnel vision and getting others involved, and then on the defensive end, he can improve his discipline as well, but he is a big-time scorer with top 10 potential. Kobe White is a Chicago Bull. It's official now, the number seven pick for the Bulls. Kobe White, the speed demon who has no fear when scoring the basketball. He is best when he is in the open floor and should benefit with NBA spacing. The one thing that you want here, Chris, and we're going to be breaking this down from now until training camp, right? In this boiling system, you cannot thwart or slow down Kobe White. It's got to be a free-flowing system. It's got to be like the most of the rest of the NBA. We saw a lot last year of, of ball control and passing side to side and draining the shot clock. One thing that can't happen with this young man, now that you've picked him, is that you're going to have to play with some pace, like the majority of the NBA. The side-to-side ball movement and trying to limit turnovers, that can't be the case with Kobe White because he's going to play with a ruthless aggression, and he's playing with Levine, playing with some of these other young players. That will really ignite this offense if they allow him to be able to be the player that he is. And all of a sudden, Chris Dunn doesn't look so bad as your backup point guard, right? It kind True. of fits a role, and you, you mix and match with Chris Dunn, Zach Levine, and Kobe White. You now have something cooking in the backcourt for the Chicago Bulls. You are right, 100%, Jonathan. The fact that the Bulls last season were 20th in pace in the NBA, that's going to have to change, and it will change with Kobe White. You also add the fact that people think of him as like a Jamal Murray type of player. It's because he's that good shooting the basketball. He's that good offensively. And that's where you see the fact that the Bulls need to upgrade shooting overall. Kobe White can do that. He can get up and down the floor. He's a scorer. This is a great draft pick for the Chicago Bulls. It's a, it's a draft pick 
when you talk about drafting for need and when you tra- draft talking about the best available, Kobe White is that guy for the Chicago Bulls. So this kind of goes along with what we've seen from the Bulls over the last five to seven years of players that fit a need and Kobe White is that guy. Hey, when you need a point guard, he happens to fall in your lap because easily before that pick, Cleveland could have been able to get Kobe White. And then where are you, right? You know, and, and here's the other thing. Bulls fans, you're going to love this kid because he tries. Mm-hmm. He works really hard. Defensively, offensively, he competes. And I think that's something that when you look at drafting, sc- scouting, and looking at players to bring into your organization, he fits the Bulls' mold of what they're trying to build here. The fact that on defense, he may not be the best defender out there, but he gives a damn good effort, I think is really good for Bulls fans to know. Because think about what, what you have there offensively. If you have the guy who can score, he's in a backcourt with Zach Levine. You kind of have to pick up some of the defensive slack if you're in that backcourt with him, and Kobe White could do so. And then you also look at the fact that he can get the defensive rebound, get to the offensive end, and get the offense kick-started. I, I think it's fantastic for uh, Kobe White. The Atlanta Hawks are on the clock. That is going to be New Orleans' pick, correct? Yes, uh, and that's from the trade earlier tonight. Uh, so the Hawks got the fourth pick. The Pelicans received back the eighth, 17-35. So the Hawks are on the clock, but that pick will be going to New Orleans. You're going to hear me say this a lot, Chris, and, and I'm glad that we're doing this show because we'll be the first to say it. The Bulls cannot look offensively like they did last year. And, again, a lot of this is the same uh, players that we saw last year. We will be coming back this upcoming season. But the offense can't look like this. How often did you see Bulls basketball where Boylan tried to put the clamps down and slow down the offense on a, on a make or a miss? He had the hands up trying to make sure that the ball was slowed down. It, was, it wasn't quite Fratello with the Cavs bad, where you took the air completely out of the ball, but it was, it was really, really slow. It, it can't happen with that young man because it, just like we talk about in the NFL, right, mm-hmm. with, with, with quarterbacks, for years coaches would look at, at quarterbacks and say, well, you've got to fit into our system. Right. Instead of having some guy that had 50 touchdowns and you know, with five interceptions, but and he put up all these yards and all these tremendous numbers, but yet you took the best away from him. In, in the NBA, if you have someone that plays with this ruthless aggression the way that Kobe White does, you don't want to slow him down. You don't want to slow down the offense. These are young guys that want to get up and down the floor. So in a, in a controlled environment, by the way, so so can you tell me that the offense will be different with Kobe White on the floor? I think it is, just based on him being on the court. But you have you a know, coach that's going to put his Yeah, put I his know. And, but, you know, I, I don't want to say that, hopefully, but I, it sounds like Robin Lopez won't be a part of the team next season. And a lot of that was let's dump it into Robin Lopez and let's <laughs> let him work the block. We don't need that this season. We've got guards who can shoot. I took the HD out of my, my yeah. TV so it looked like it would just be regular color, like I was watching games in the 90s. Yeah, I mean, dumping it down low like he was like he's Olajuwon. You know, sometimes you're watching Bulls basketball last season, and it's like you take a jar of uh, molasses and you try and pour it out, and it just slowly comes out of the jar. That's what it looked like like in some of those games and you're right Jonathan you know here, here's the thing about Kobe White and this is why Bulls fans should be ecstatic tonight uh, I don't I couldn't I could see him being a star in this league I don't think it's out of the question I know that we said it's a top heavy draft sure. and we looked at the first three or four players but like last year Wendell Carter Jr. really nice player 
going to be a good piece for the Bulls going forward. Is he going to be a star in the league? I don't know because he wasn't I on the floor know. enough. I don't know. I don't know. Well, at the time, when, at the time of the pick, we said it's a nice pick. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not trying to hate on the pick. Right. I'm just saying uh, sometimes at seven you don't get stars. I think Kobe White has the ability to be a star because of the scoring ability that he brings to the table, and he plays hard on defense. So I think it's great for the Chicago Bulls. Adrian Wojnarowski just after the pick was made, he quote tweeted his tweet suggesting that the Bulls are going to take Kobe White by saying the Bulls front office described Kobe White to him as a, quote, perfect fit, and that, quote, we love him. So it's fantastic. It seems like uh, everyone here was on the same page. We're on the same page with what they were thinking. It was a need. It was the perfect guy at the right spot. Seventh pick, Kobe White. I think it's great. So from here, we take a look at the uh, the Atlanta Hawks and not as the New Orleans pick. The the Pelicans are trying to have, at this point in time, the most athletic front court uh, in the NBA, if, if possible, because Zion Williamson is there. We talked about what Zion could bring to the team. And then the Lakers that are on this uh, Pelicans team as well. Uh, Lonzo Ball has something to prove. I know that he looks like a zombie, that he's you know, he's not awake, <laughs> but he does care. And let's hear from the commissioner, Adam Silver, see what this New Orleans pick is going to be. With the eighth pick in the 2019 NBA draft, the Atlanta Hawks select Jackson Hayes from the University of Texas. Mike Schmitz, player profile. Hayes was the best finisher in all of college basketball last season. He's seven feet. He runs like a deer. He catches everything due to a football background, and he can sky off the floor. Maybe the best pick-and-roll lob threat in the draft. He has defensive instincts around the rim as a rim protector. He can move his feet on the perimeter, but he really struggled with fouls. He struggled understanding how to play within an offensive system. There are questions about just how quickly he'll be able to help an NBA team, but there's an easy, projectable role for him in that Clint Capella mold as a rim run shot block finisher. So Jackson Hayes, the Longhorn, uh, is now part of the New Orleans Pelicans, the athletic center whose experience uh, playing wide receiver in high school has given him the ideal tools for being a rim running big, has the potential to become an elite rim protector, alter shots uh, with his mere presence. Um, Jackson Hayes is, to me, someone on the defensive end that could be able to pay dividends. I don't know about the offensive end. Yeah, and for his size, he only averaged five rebounds per game. You'd expect a guy with the hands that he has and his leaping ability and his size to have more rebounds and dominate the boards like he did. So defensively, you're right. Shot blocking ability around the rim will definitely help. Think about it. He's going to be paired with Zion Williamson now for the Pelicans down low. And then they also have Lonzo Ball and Drew Holiday. Mm-hmm. The, defensively, the Pelicans are set up. Now, this is a project. This was one of those players that I was worried about would fall to the Bulls, and then this would be a couple-year thing where we'd have to figure out who Jackson Hayes really is. Uh, His effective field goal percentage for last season in college basketball, 73%. That's pretty good. He, if he gets the ball around the rim, he can dunk it. And he is an aerial player, pick and dive. He will go to the rim, throw it up for him. He'll be able to put it down in almost the perfect complement. As we talk about him as a player bio, perfect complement for Lonzo Ball. Think about it. Lonzo's just going to be throwing lobs to Zion and Jackson Hayes. The Washington Wizards are on the clock, and the story coming across here on ESPN 1000, Kobe White is now a Chicago Bulls, selected number seven by the Bulls. When we come back, we will find out what the Wizards do as you're listening to the 2019 NBA Draft Show with Chris Black, Jonathan Hood. This is ESPN 1000.
has a pick for the Washington Wizards. It is Hachimura uh, going to the Washington Wizards as you're listening to the 2019 NBA Draft Show here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app along with UIC Flames color analyst Chris Black. Jonathan Hood with you. Hachimura from Gonzaga going with pick number nine to the Washington Wizards with the Hawks on the clock. Yeah, physical tools are fantastic for the size of body that he is, 6'8", 230 pounds. He averaged 20 points per game, six rebounds at Gonzaga last year in his junior season. But I think a lot of people, when they look at his game, they question how it's going to fit in the NBA. Is he a, you know, we're, we're in this positionless era of basketball where the power forwards of yesteryear are starting to be left behind. Uh, a player comp that I've heard a lot of, and I, I think it's a pretty good one, is Jabari Parker. Now, where does Jabari Parker fit in today's NBA landscape if you can't shoot three-pointers? I think the same questions are going to be for Hachimura as well. The Atlanta Hawks are on the clock, and we talk about the Atlanta Hawks who have had their issues. As uh, By the way, we want to just make sure, for those of you this, just tuning in, Kobe White is with the Chicago Bulls. They were looking for a lead guard. They got it in Kobe White. They is in now the Chicago Bulls. Atlanta Hawks are on the clock. You talk about a number of teams that's trying to rebuild and trying to uh, mold and shape. You know, uh, with Trey Young, that was a terrific start last year. Trey Young actually was a much better player than I thought he would be as far as shooting from the outside. But the Hawks still need to have a little bit more around the young man, Trey Young. Yeah, absolutely. And that's where you're looking uh, for the Hawks. As they fill in their roster, they're going to get a lot of uh, picks tonight because they had, uh, as we headed into the evening, they had three picks. They had the eight. They had uh, also 10, and then later on in the first round, they, they had a pick as well. Uh, so you look at what Atlanta's building, and they, they move up for the fourth pick already tonight. Now on the clock, the Hawks, this is their own pick, and you kind of see what they're trying to put together. You know, I, I, Hunter went in the fourth pick for the Hawks, and I think that's safe, right? Yep. That's a player that I think you know what you have in uh, DeAndre Hunter. Now, is this a pick where at 10 for the Hawks, is this where you take someone with a higher ceiling, someone who's a bit of a project, or do you go safe again? Do you go for a player that you think has a, a proven track record that you know you don't have to worry about because you're just a young team? You're a young team that's trying to find their way right now college basketball. Is that where you look at Brandon Clark? Is it where you look at Cam Reddish? Uh, Sekou Demboya? Who's on the board for the Hawks two minutes ago on the clock? Well, I just think that first thing you're looking for is scoring. If that is something from the perimeter, you'll take that. You get enough of that. Trey Young is actually two picks because he can he shoots enough for two guys, right? Yeah, that's true. So you, but you're still looking for more scoring. And still, I think that it's up to uh, Atlanta to try to establish who they are. And again, it's an identity situation. You're trying to fill up that State Farm Arena and trying to bring some excitement there. I just think that because they have a plethora of, of uh, picks that they can go with here, you don't want to build if you can help it through the draft. But, man, you have no other choice because we've talked about this for several draft shows and on, and on podcasts that we've done. The, uh, the Atlanta Hawks are trying to establish an identity. You know, they've got it's Atlanta, Georgia. They want people to not just visit there and, and just spend money there. They want them to live there and be able to cultivate Atlanta Hawks team. Yeah, and they're exciting. They were a fun team to watch on League Pass last year. Uh, they were competitive, even though they lost a lot of games. And I think that's where you look at all the teams. You know, we, we talk all season, do we need to stop tanking in sports? In the NBA, do they have a tanking problem? And there's many teams in the league that were flat out trying to lose. 
the Hawks were a competitive team. Like there was a game late in the season where LeBron and the Lakers went to Atlanta and the Hawks just played them off the court. Yeah. You know, and, and there are many times and this was before the Lakers season was over. You know, this was when they were still trying to make the playoffs. And I think there's many times where you look at teams who are bad and you just assume they're bad because they're trying to lose. The Hawks are trying to win. They're just not good enough. They don't have enough talent right now. And I think that's where you see what you have last year with Trey Young and what you're building into this year and Kevin Herter from last year as well. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Collins, the power forward. You add the picks from this year, safe already with DeAndre Hunter. Now you're really starting to build something where you have some stability for the Atlanta Hawks. So uh, the Hawks pick is in, and then from there we're looking at the Washington Wizards, and then we go Atlanta uh, from the Dallas pick. So Atlanta's going to be mentioned a lot here. Yeah, yeah. So so Atlanta uh, 10 is on the clock right now because the Atlanta at 8 was the Pelicans pick from earlier in the, in the uh, evening. So... Atlanta on the board right now, and then coming up, Phoenix at 11, 12, Charlotte, Miami at 13, and Boston at 14. Man, if you're the Celtics and you're a Celtics fan, sure. what are you thinking about your squad right now? <laughs> well, I mean, what, what's going on here with the Celtics over the course of the last month? Well, here's the thing with the Celtics. The Celtics, you, um, you're you not worried about draft night because you get plenty of picks. You know, the focus is on how you can be a destination for top-notch free agents because out of all the rumors that we're hearing about free agency, Boston all of a sudden not in the conversation. Clippers there, Lakers there, of course, uh, a number of other teams, but the that team for sure in Boston, not the conversation piece. As we go to Adam Silver. With the 10th pick in the 2019 NBA draft, the Atlanta Hawks select Cam Reddish from Duke University. Mike Schmitz, player profile. Reddish was the most polarizing prospect in the draft last season as a freshman at Duke. Some games, he looks like a young Paul George, close to six foot nine, smooth shooting stroke, can handle the ball, has some shot creation potential, and then has the tools to be a very solid defender as well at the NBA level. But there were far too many games when he just didn't show up. He sat out with knee soreness in the Sweet 16. He just wasn't reliable at all and really struggled with efficiency alongside R.J. Barrett and Zion Williamson. So Cam Reddish uh, drafted here to the Atlanta Hawks. 13.5 points a game, Chris, 3.7 rebounds. A polarizing prospect who looks the part for a future star score, but his production leaves a lot to be desired. I, you can't tell a young player to say, you know, you really need to sharpen your skills, stay for a sophomore or junior year. If that was the case, Cam Reddish would be the man, I'm sure, at Duke. Because he was in the shadows of Zion Williamson and R.J. Barrett, Cam Reddish, to me, is going to be a project. I really believe that because if anyone needs to stay in school, it's him. But you can't tell a freshman to stay in school. So he's here in the draft. He's got to work on his skills on the NBA level. Yeah, and when you look at the, the way this Hawks team is coming together, uh, last season, the Atlanta Hawks were third in the NBA in three-point field goals may, uh, attempted per game. Mm-hmm. They play a fast tempo, and they're third. They averaged 37 attempts from three last season. Uh, Houston, they're coming for you because here's the deal. Trey Young, Kevin Herter, Cam Reddish, DeAndre Hunter all can shoot from three. That's exactly what the Hawks are putting together here. You're right. Cam Reddish last year was very frustrating because you got to see his talent a little bit, but you didn't get to see him really show you what he is fully capable of. 
But the Hawks now have gone with a safe pick at four, DeAndre Hunter, and Cam Reddish with all the potential at number 10. And remember, as you go back to last year, the swap with the Mavericks for Trey Young and Luka Doncic, this 10th pick that the Hawks have right here with Cam Reddish is a part of that deal. So if you go back to last season, the Mavericks got Luka Doncic, yep. and the Hawks now get Trey Young and Cam Reddish if you want to grade out what that trade was. It, it looks like that will be a win for the Atlanta Hawks. I, I think so. I think so. But here, here's No what matter you how want. great Doncic is, yeah. I mean, Cam Reddish, I, I don't think this is a bust. I think he's going to be a good player. He just needs to develop. Here's you, the, you hate when I do this because I love uh, I love the skill and the potential. You love and, young and you players. You love living in, in reality and and, and, <laughs> and, 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 and and kicking me in the shin and just, bringing me right back down. Well, well, here's what here's the thing, and, and you know I'm right when I say when I tell <laughs> I you this. You can you can you stockpile are. all these draft picks, but ask Sacramento how that's doing. Now Sacramento was better last year. Okay, they were better, and, and Philadelphia had to wait a long time to be able to stack draft picks and to be able to start winning. But it takes a while. When you stockpile young players, what do they learn to do first? They learn how to lose, and they take games for granted. You're hoping that you have some mature players, young players, when you're stacking up these draft picks. Right? I mean, yeah. you, know, you have a roster of young players, and again, the Bulls are the youngest team in the NBA, but they still do have some veteran leadership uh, on that squad. But at the same time, Atlanta, they have, they're in Atlanta, Georgia. Let's start there. And then they have young players in Atlanta. Their focus should be on the NBA and trying to get better. When you have some veterans mixed in with those young players, it's a different story as we wait for the Minnesota pick. Yeah, and you know, you, you take a look at uh, the Bulls and you compare what you have with these players, and the Minnesota pick is what was swapped with the Phoenix Suns. So 6 and 11 were swapped. Yep. Uh, so the Phoenix Suns will be taking this selection where Minnesota has already made their pick at 6, uh, and that pick was uh, Jared Culver at 6 ahead of the Bulls, getting Co- Kobe White at 7. So yeah, you know, Jonathan, you're right. And what team, what young team has won in NBA history? Well, right. We saw a young Oklahoma City Thunder team get to the finals with Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Russell Westbrook. There's that photo where they were about to get, uh, they lose the finals and they're, they're arm in arm with each other. And guess what happened? James Harden gets traded. Kevin Durant leaves. And what does Oklahoma City have? Right. You know, so like young teams and young potential, they don't win in the league. Now, if all the young assets you collect, you get a star somewhere in there, okay, that's a different story. But you're right, with the Hawks, with the Bulls, with what we've seen with the Celtics, if you have all these young picks and assets put together, what are you really doing if no one's actually the star? You're listening to the 2019 NBA Draft Show on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Along with Chris Black, Jonathan, with you live from the Advocate Center. The Bulls select Kobe White with their pick at number seven. We're at number 11 right now in the NBA Draft. Kobe White is someone that the Bulls uh, kept their eyes on. They want to in- get better at the point guard spot. They did tonight by getting Kobe White. Here's the commissioner, Adam Silver, with the Minnesota pick. With the 11th pick in the 2019 NBA Draft, the Minnesota Timberwolves select Cameron Johnson from the University of North Carolina. Mike Schmitz, player profile. 
Johnson is a plug-and-play wing. Shot over 45% from three this past season at North Carolina and can do it in a variety of ways. He has outstanding shot preparation, hands and feet always ready. He barely uses any dribbles to have an impact, reminding you a little bit of Clay Thompson in terms of the role he could play on the offensive end of the floor. Now on the other end, he's not a physical defender. He weighs 208 pounds, doesn't have great length, doesn't have great feet, and there's just not that much to his game when he has the ball in his hands. 23 years old, questions about his long-term upside. Other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play? Well, this is the first shocker pick of the NBA draft tonight because Cameron Johnson, Cam Johnson, was kind of projected as a late first-round pick going to the Timberwolves at 11, and then that pick will be Phoenix. So Phoenix has Dario Saric and Cam Johnson now to add with what their collection of young players, Devin Booker and others for the Phoenix Suns. Cam Johnson, this is a pick that went way up the board than what anyone expected coming into tonight. This is so Phoenix after firing Igor. They fired Igor after one year. Why, sons? Why? No playoffs since 2010. DeAndre Ayton isn't a bust. Somebody tell Cameron DeFalco so he can stop yelling about it on the air. He's a double-double playmaker. There are no conversations at Talking Stick because the attendance, 29th out of 30th. There's a reason why there's no talking at Talking Stick. I'm happy for Monty Williams, but whoa, he's taking over a struggling business model in the Phoenix Suns, really struggling. Yeah, and it, it, you heard in the clip from Mike Schmidt on the player bio on Cam Jordan, like he legitimately is a three-point shooter, and that's it. So you're looking at the way you're building your team, the Phoenix Suns, and then the way the organization's been ran recently. You know, I, Alvin Gentry, I think, is going to do a great thing. Or not Alvin Gentry. Um, who's taking over for head coach for the Suns? Monty Williams. Monty Williams. I just he's, said that two yeah, minutes ago. No, I know. I, I'm, I'm saying is like he is good. He's going to get the most out of them. And, and I think the fact that he was patient to take this gig, he, he was on the bench for the 76ers for a couple of years when availability and jobs were open for him to jump into. Mm-hmm. Instead, he decided to wait. Devin Booker, Cam Johnson, Mikel Bridges is there. Uh, they, they have a lot of young talent. Again, another team, they have the star in Devin Booker, but what else can they do? Charlotte's on the clock right now as you're listening to the 2019 NBA Draft Show on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app with Chris Black, Jonathan Hood with you. Here's Charlotte. Here's a question for you, Chris. Who likes Charlotte more, Michael Jordan or Kemba Walker? Charlotte has been in the playoffs three times since 2004, and they've had seven coaches during that span. The moribund Hornets are as obscure as their head coach, James Barreco. So... All-star point guard Kemba Walker says that he would consider taking less than the $221 million Supermax contract he's eligible for to resign with Charlotte, which is amazing to me, by the way. Uh, He said that on the record. Interesting uh, negotiation uh, tactic there. He wants to stay in Charlotte, more so than Michael. And so what is best here for Charlotte under Borrego? You know, the, the Hornets now need a player in case Kemba walks. Right, like isn't isn't that the key? Because with the Lakers lurking, with so many teams with cap space, Kemba Walker. Once you eliminate Clay Thompson, Kevin Durant, whatever Kawhi Leonard does, then you get to Jimmy Butler, Kemba Walker, Kyrie Irving. He's going to be in that mix, and teams have cap space. The Knicks, the Nets, uh, so many other. The Lakers are going to try and find a way to make a play somehow. So, you know, if you're looking at the Hornets, you just need talent. 
Like, this, this is a team that's not going for need. Come on, Chris. How much talent? How many times are you going to be in the lottery looking for talent? Well, I you, mean, you, you can't get free agents, not quality free agents, because it's Charlotte, right? You got Kimba Walker who says he wouldn't mind staying. You need talent, but how often are they in the lottery? Every year. They are. Uh, Adrian Wojnarowski uh, just announcing that the Hornets are taking calls on this pick. So whether or not they can get that accomplished in 50 seconds uh, before the time runs out, you know, it, I, I think it goes back to the fact that this franchise is, is in a mess because they don't know what the direction is. You know, you max out Kemba Walker, but what are you ever going to be? Are you ever more than the ninth, tenth seed in the East? Are you right? You're absolutely right, and, and it's 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 really been a mess there. I've been waiting for the breakthrough for Charlotte for a long time, but Jordan has done a, a horrific job in, in ownership of that franchise. Horrific. So uh, we'll see here what Charlotte's going to do. Nasir Little still on the board. P.J. Washington from Kentucky still on the board. Bull Bull also on the board uh, for the uh, NBA draft. So we'll see what the Hornets do here. Again, Kobe White is, is a Chicago Bull. Kobe White, they were looking for a lead guard, 16.1 points a game, 3.5 rebounds, an igniter offensively uh, when he was in college for North Carolina. He's part of the Chicago Bulls now. Yeah, and it's a fantastic pick for the Chicago Bulls. Uh, I know there's some uh, poker being played in the first round, especially the top 10, whether or not the Bulls were going to have to move up to get the point guard of their future. Instead, they stayed pat, and they got Kobe White at 7. He fell right to them. They didn't have to give up anything, and they keep their core together. Here's Adam Silver with the Charlotte pick. With the 12th pick in the 2019 NBA draft, the Charlotte Hornets select P.J. Washington Jr. from the University of Kentucky. Mike Schmitz, player profile. P.J. Washington, a plug-and-play foreman. He improved greatly as a perimeter shooter this past season at Kentucky, shooting over 40% from three. He can pick and pop to space, or he can take you down to the block. His left shoulder jump hook is almost automatic. His defensive intensity has improved every year. Close to a 7-3 wingspan, has some switchability. But again, his motor has been up and down throughout his career. He doesn't quite have one thing he can hang his hat on at the NBA level. There are questions about just how high his upside truly is. So P.J. Washington, the power forward from Kentucky, is now part of the Charlotte Hornets. Chris? Yeah, he's a really good passer. Uh, he has a spot-up three-point game that he's improving. He's mobile, on-ball for defensive uh, aspect of the game. He's a really active player, 15.7.6 rebounds per. His effective field goal percentage was 56% last year at Kentucky, a sophomore. Uh, so he's 20. Uh, he's not one of these freshmen who just came out after a one-and-done season. Uh, P.J. Washington is a player that you kind of remind yourself of. Um, you remember P.J. Brown? Sure. Taj Gibson? Yep. Um, those, those are the type of players that uh, P.J. Washington's going to be. And in the old NBA, there was always a role for that type of guy. Mm-hmm. As we enter this new era of NBA basketball, I think that role still exists because now that player who used to be the four and stand on the baseline and hit an open jump shot, he now turns into your roving five. So in mock drafts that we saw here, uh, we saw P.J. Washington anywhere between 15 and 20. Yeah. Let me tell you what a workout does for you. He oh, impressed yeah. so much in the workouts and shooting the basketball. That's one of the reasons why that he is at a number 11 right now. Uh, uh, because of what he was able to do there. So that's uh, an amazing thing where you're just working out and all of a sudden you just get hot, and now that's why he's in that spot. 
Yeah, and and that's at where 12. you know, and that's where you can kind of also gauge what what did he do at Kentucky throughout the season, and has he improved to this point? Because if you know what he was, and then he improves into a different type of player, you know, that's where you can kind of gauge the work ethic. You can gauge what this player is really putting into what to develop his own game. And, uh, you know, P.J. Washington, he's not going to be an all-star, but I think he's going to be a solid role player for a really long time. So, once again, John Calipari gets his guy into the NBA. Oh, that's all he does. P.J. Washington as Charlotte Hornet. Now we go to the Miami Heat. Need your help with this one. So the Heat are now in the post-Dwayne Wade era. They missed the playoffs last year at 39-43. and The Heat's last two lottery picks, Bam Adebayo, Justice Winslow. There are core players and they're moving forward, but Miami is still drowning in a sea of bad salary that will mercifully uh, start coming off the books in 2020. Hassan Whiteside, we said at the time how bad that contract was. Remember us talking yeah. about Hassan Whiteside? We said if, if Hassan Whiteside is not like the modern big that can be able to give versatility inside out, we know he's a shot blocker. We know that he's a terrific rebounder. But we knew that contract would stifle the Heat. And so now the Heat, not in the playoffs, now need to be able to develop even more young talent. Out of bio and Winslow was a nice start. Yeah, it is. Uh, you said it right with the way their cap situation is. Heading into next season before any of the free agents have re-signed with their current teams, Miami is on the books for the fourth most uh, salary heading into next season. So, I mean, you look at what their roster is and what they've done to this point. They have spent a lot of money on not great production in return. Uh, So that's where you kind of say, okay, now you have to draft younger players to help us out of this cap mess to can contribute so then we can start kind of cutting what we have, right? Like, white sign terrible. Um, You know, it's it's, – they're they're really stuck. And I'm surprised they haven't been mentioned more when it's come to – trade options for this offseason because like the heat don't just sit and wait they they mix it up and they try and make things happen right. and especially with anthony davis sitting out there i know they didn't really have the young players to present to the lakers but i'm kind of shocked that with all the movement that we could have this offseason that the heat really haven't been mentioned and it's because they're in cap hell yeah, it's in, and people are probably wondering, like, this Pat Riley, how come he's not a mover and shaker? Can't move and shake that contract. No. And, and that's not a lot of good foresight at all, by the way, by the Heat. We said it at the time. Hassan Whiteside was a terrific story. Hassan Whiteside, though, was a shot blocker, can get scoring around the rim. But it's not like Pat Riley and, and the front office and the Heat didn't understand that that guy is not a max contract player. He's a solid player. Maybe you didn't want to lose him, but you got to knew where. Yeah, kind of knew where the NBA was going, right, Chris? I mean, because that that player yeah. is not versatile enough to be able to lead you anywhere. Well, and he can't lead lead your team in uh, salary either. Like <laughs> that, he that's a problem. He can certainly play. Yeah, but he can't be making twenty seven million dollars next season. That that's a problem. You know, Goran Dragic twenty million next season. They're giving a. They're giving almost twelve million dollars to Kelly Olynyk. I mean, uh, what is this? Maybe Riley should have taken the Laker job. Yeah, maybe he should. Wouldn't that have been a story? Like, you know what? I can't come out of this contract. We're not going anywhere. So long. I'm going to the Lakers. Yeah, I don't have two years to wait till 2021. <laughs> really? I mean, I'm sure he's got a house in L.A. and he's, his house is paid for in Miami. Yeah. That, that, that would have not surprised me if, throughout all the mess with the Lakers, that Riley was going to be the answer as a GM front office guy to replace Magic or something like that. You know, and even for all that we're ripping them for their uh, cap situation, they play hard. 
Eric Spolstra is yeah, a good coach. They get the most out of that team. Uh, the only problem is, like many, you're stuck in the middle and you don't really have a pathway to get back to that championship-level team. Mark that Phoenix pick for us to talk about it after we're done with the draft when we go to dinner. All right. Look, that is just nonsense, that pick. That was such a reach already early in the draft. Cam Johnson, shooter, three. <laughs> oh. Three-point shooters, Jonathan. That's all that matters now. In college. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, I know. In college. But, uh, to their defense, he's probably the best shooter in the draft, though. Okay. All right. We'll see. Listen, I, I don't think that that. They already is... give up on Mikel Bridges? Is that what's going on there? Well, it sounds like it, right? All right. I mean, it's. It, all, you can always find the bad teams always there in the lottery. Ha. On a, always at the top of the draft. With the reach. So we're waiting for the Miami Heat, uh, heat pick and then. Uh, from there, the Miami Heat will have their pick, and then the Boston Celtics from Sacramento and Philadelphia. Yeah, and, and what we're looking for with Boston is uh, Kyrie's going to leave probably in this offseason. Uh, Al Horford says he's not going to pick up his contract. And the Boston Celtics have a lot of young talent. And the young talent, when you look at it, uh, how impressive is that young talent now when you're on the other side of free agents starting to leave your team instead of joining your team? Look at that Heat team. That that. You know, you mentioned Olenek. Uh, that's a good ninth, ninth seed. Josh Richardson. Yeah, solid. Oh, come on! It just and, and that's what happens when you push all your chips in the middle of the table for one player in Hassan Whiteside. Yeah, this is it. I mean, and and now you're stuck. Well, and that's also one of those things. Like, if someone wanted to pay him, just let him go. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't yeah. get stuck with that. You you want your three and D players? You want guys that can be able to shoot the ball from there because it's about the three ball. Yeah. It starts there, and also it starts with a lead guard that can make others better and distribute the basketball. Which which one of those things can Hassan Whiteside do? Uh, neither. Okay, so there there you are. So there's still some good names on the board like Romeo Langford and Brandon Clark, Nasir Little, the small forward from North Carolina, still on the board as well. That is available for this next pick for the Miami Heat. Right here on ESPN 1000, WMVP Chicago, here's Adam Silver with the Heat pick. With the 13th pick in the 2019 NBA Draft, the Miami Heat select Tyler Hero from the University of Kentucky. Mike Schmitz, player profile. Tyler Hero, one of the best shooters in the draft, and he can do it in a variety of ways, much more than just a standstill guy. He can play some second side pick and roll, he can operate off of pin downs or DHOs, and then he can think the game as well with pocket passes or lobs over the top to the roller. He's a feisty defender as well. But measured with a negative wingspan, has some trouble with bigger guards, and he's going to need to improve his on-ball play and finishing to really maximize his long-term potential. Tyler Hero, the shooting guard from Kentucky, now part of the Miami Heat. Chris? Tyler Hero, uh, he reminds me of uh, maybe a wing player who can just shoot from three. I know that you heard Mike Schmitz say that he is uh, more than that, but really that's what he was at Kentucky, a three-point shooter, 14 points per game. He shoots uh, 93% from the field, from uh, field uh, free throw line. And uh, when you look at his upside, it's shooting off the dribble. Uh, that's probably the skill you're looking at. He's crafty as a finisher around the rim. He's intelligent, passing the ball. He's a good runner in transition. All things are positive for Tyler Hero. All right, when we come back, we will find out what the Boston Celtics are going to do. Also, some opinions about the Bulls pick. The Bulls get Kobe White 
the point guard from North Carolina will hear some opinions about that and give ours as we broadcast live from the Atkins Center. Along with Chris Black, Jonathan Hood with you. This is the 2019 NBA Draft Show on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. is the 2019 NBA Draft Show on ESPN 1000 with Jonathan Hood and Chris Black. Live from the Advocate Center in Chicago, this is the 2019 NBA Draft Show here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Along with UIC Flames color analyst Chris Black, this is Jonathan Hood. Glad to have you along with us here for our wall-to-wall coverage of the 2019 NBA Draft. The, one of the marquee nights for us here at ESPN 1000 and the NBA. The Chicago Bulls select Kobe White with the number 7 pick. The Bulls were looking for a point guard. They were able to find him with the number 7 pick. Right now, the Boston Celtics are on the clock. Chris? Kobe White, fantastic pick for the Chicago Bulls. And the way tonight's uh, kind of shaped up was many teams moving up into the top five. You saw Atlanta jump to four, Minnesota jump to six. But yet, Kobe White was there for the Bulls at seven. They get the need and the best player available at seven. Oh, how things have changed. The Celtics went from the class of the East in the playoffs, uh, 11 of their last 12 years, to a team at this time without Al Horford and Kyrie Irving. What happened? No All-Stars since 2013 for Danny Ainge. And all of a sudden, the Seas are trying to find themselves uh, as Brown and Tatum are the cornerstones right now. But what's next for the Celtics? That's the big question. Yeah, and they have three picks here in the first round. They have 14, 20, and 22. That's okay. Uh, and they got a lot of scratch-off tickets. Oh, they, yeah. got, they got so many draft picks. Well, listen, uh, based on what you have, here's Adam Silver in Brooklyn. With the 14th pick in the 2019 NBA Draft, the Boston Celtics select Romeo Langford from Indiana University. Mike Schmitz, player profile. Langford arrived in Bloomington with considerable hype, a top five player in his class and a potential top five pick. Buddy limped his way through the season, averaged 16 points a game, but struggled to shoot it from three, didn't play with consistent energy and effort, but he is a natural scorer, 6'6", close to a seven-foot wingspan, 215-pound frame. Teams are interested to see what he's going to look like with a little bit more shooting around him in the NBA, because he is a natural three-level scorer. Romeo Langford from the Indiana Hoosiers going to the Boston Celtics. Let's now chalk this up to reach number two in the draft here early on. If you want to point to a number for Romeo Langford uh, this season in Indiana, his three-point percentage of 27.2%. He is a lead guard who is a scoring guard, yet he can't shoot from three in today's NBA. Uh, Is this going to replace uh, Terry Rozier? who might leave based on restrictive free agency this summer? Is he supposed to replace Kyrie Irving? What are the Celtics doing? Last year, we sat here and we were marveled at what the Celtics have put together. Now they take Romeo Langford, a reach, which I agree with you, a, a pure scorer who doesn't give max effort, who can't shoot from three. Okay. So let's let's talk about this from this, this standpoint, Okay as we wait for the Detroit Pistons with their number 15 pick. That's where we are here in the first round of the NBA draft. Uh, uh, When we talk about best available, right? Yeah. I don't think that Lankford is the best available at that spot. Lankford, in all the the mocks and all the conversations I've had, bottom, toward the bottom of the first round, 
Uh, so I just think at 15, at 14, you're going up pretty high for a guy that does not shoot the ball particularly well. Yeah, and the thing is his shot, and, and it's the fact that his feet are always moving, so the shot is never online. And and I think that's what scares people, and that's why you saw in mock drafts is the three-point percentage and his inability to consistently have a good form from three. That's why you saw him being suggested as a bottom-of-the-first-round type of guy. Not a just on the outside of the lottery. You know, and if you, if you want to reach for someone, a couple names that have fallen so far. Sekou Demboya, he has fallen to sure. this point. Uh, also, you see someone is uh, Kevin Porter. Mm-hmm. We haven't heard his name yet. If you're looking, if you're going based on just straight talent, why wouldn't you go that? Like Romeo Langford, and that, that's why this is a confusing pick to me. The Pistons are on the clock, and the Bulls took at number seven Kobe White, the point guard for North Carolina. Let's get some comments here from Jay Billis. Jay Billis giving his thoughts on what we can expect from Kobe White. Transition is his game, end-to-end speed. Roy Williams, his coach at North Carolina, said he was the fastest point guard he's coached since Ty Lawson, and that is saying something. And look at that hair in transition as he goes from end-to-end. He can also shoot it. Uh, he's a he's a very good shooter with a quick release. Uh, I think I do think he needs to get better at shooting it off the bounce. But he's very good in pick and roll uh, refusals, splits. He can shoot behind it. When he penetrates, he can finish or he can spray it. He's a legit six five. He doesn't really have long arms, but handles the ball very well. Gives it up uh, because there's so many possessions. He turns it over a little bit trying to play fast. Uh, and he needs to be a better finisher. I wouldn't call him a vertical athlete, but, man, this dude's a player. I, I would agree. Uh, Kobe White is exactly what the doctor ordered as far as trying to really jumpstart an offense that I thought was stagnant a lot last year. And think about it, Bulls fans. Uh, the offense needs a jumpstart. Uh, in pace, they're 20th in the NBA, 101 possession, uh, possessions per game uh, last season. They offensive efficiency, 29th. 102.5 points per 100 possessions last season. So they need a jump start on offense. And then all of a sudden, based on what you have on the roster already, Zach Levine and Chris Dunn have roles now. You have that point guard. You have a two-point guard set. You have a two-scoring lead guard set with Zach Levine and Kobe White. Then Chris Dunn now is your backup point guard who can play defense, give you some spot minutes, maybe 22 to 27 minutes a night. Kobe White and Zach Levine playing 30-plus. I mean, now it all kind of makes sense. Chris Dunn as your lead point guard didn't make sense. And no matter if you think that he could turn into something eventually or not, Kobe White's going to be a better player. And now this is fantastic for Bulls fans. And on top of that, you didn't have to give anything up. As you're listening to the 2019 NBA Draft Show here on ESPN 1000, the ESPN app, I said that at 7 the Bulls were able to find a player that they can utilize, and they did by having Kobe White. I just want that. I just My only question is, what is the offense going to look like? Knowing that you have a player like Kobe White, are you do you want him to fit in your system if you are Coach Boylan, or are you going to uh, transfix the system based, and tailor it based on your personnel? That's the whole thing that I look at it because – it's, it's something that John Paxson talked about at the end of the season, and I'm glad they're able to get it. And this first round and what they do in the first round, the Bulls, is, is what they usually do. They find a player, they find someone to fit a need, and they did in Kobe White. So there is no complaint here. And even if they didn't have Kobe White, there still would have been a solid player at seven, which would have been fine. So, so, yeah. that, so what they did here is, is no surprise to me. 
Um, especially the pick before them didn't take Kobe White. So you take best available and best for your team, and that's why White's there. Yeah, I'm thrilled. As a Bulls fan and as someone who talks and covers this team uh, professionally, this is uh, this is a great pick for the Chicago Bulls. Uh, if you look up and down the draft board, I think a lot of people tomorrow are going to be looking at seven and Kobe White and grading that out as a B-plus A pick for the Chicago Bulls. The Pistons are on the clock. Two playoff appearances in 10 years for Motown. Dwayne Casey could have been Coach of the Year to lead the Pistons team. He already was for the Raptors. Could have been Coach of the Year for the Pistons as well. Stan Van Gundy, ESPN Zone, left the Pistons cash-strapped when he was the coach and president of the team. The Pistons are in a bad spot, if you ask me. They, they owe a truckload of money to Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond. That hasn't come off the books anytime soon. And none of their recent draft picks, namely Stanley Johnson or Luke Kennard, has really worked out. And by the way, Stanley Johnson not even on the team anymore. So, so even though the Pistons did make the playoffs, uh, what you're looking here with the Pistons is to try to build around Griffin for the short term. Yeah, and that's a weird way about going about this, right? <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. Yeah. I, I, oh, here's, here's Adam Silver. We'll talk more about it. With the 15th pick in the 2019 NBA draft, the Detroit Pistons select Sekou Dumbuya from Orléans, France. Mike Schmitz, Player Profile. Dumboya, a 6'9 modern forward, the youngest player in the draft, was born in Guinea, moved to France at a young age, and was a huge prospect in France by age 15. He was playing professional basketball. He was known because of his grown man body and athleticism. He defends four positions. He can make an open shot, but he needs to improve his ability to think the game, his shooting consistency, his ball handling, his defensive discipline. He is very much a ball of clay right now, but he certainly has some upside because of his physical tools and defensive versatility. Unpolished physical specimen with the potential versatility at some of the forward spots. He's a mismatched nightmare if his skills continue to develop. We talked about before the draft started, Chris, there's a lot of guys in the middle that are developmental players, and Sekou Domboya is one of them. He is really the first unknown to go here in the draft at pick 15 because I don't think whether or not you want to point at the at the floor or the ceiling, I don't think anyone knows what the finished product for Sekou Demboya will be. And that's where you get, uh, he is a player that reminds you of Pascal Siakam, Al Farouk Aminu, uh, players of that ilk who have the length to be able to get to the rim and also play defense. Okay. You, he reminds you of those players because those are two other players that's hard to pronounce their name. Well, that, yes, that's, uh, it's, uh, is that uh, about basketball Adam, at all? Adam Silver botched that one. How about that? <laughs> I mean, come on now. Alfred Camino, what's wrong with that? No, he, he, old, he reminds you of those players because those names also hard to pronounce. Here's an interesting uh, nugget here <laughs> from, uh, from uh, Bobby Marks. Oh. Bobby Marks says two teams told him before the draft that they would be surprised if Demboya would get out of the top ten. The early steal of the draft is Detroit with that pick. You know, and, and, okay. and he was projected as a top 10 pick all week. A lot of people were saying the 8-9 range for Demboya, and, and that's where you kind of you, – you have to account for the fact that this is going to take some time. If your franchise has time, you know, the Bucks had time with Giannis. Do, do the Pistons have time with Demboya? 
Yeah, they, they've got time. And once again, I thought that the Pistons did a nice job getting into the playoffs. Now, we know they didn't yeah. want to go anywhere, but just the point is that they were in the top eight in, in the Eastern Conference. And so, um, again, you're trying to find some players to go around Griffin for the short term, trying to find some long players here. Hopefully, the coaching staff in place will be able to be around to see that development because, you know, after Stan Van Gundy, and Van Gundy, Van Gundy, what he did, he, he shot his shot, didn't he? Yeah. He's like, you know what, I need to have someone in here that can put butts in seats in a new building at Little Caesars, number one. But number two, we've got to be able to find um, a, a dynamic player that can help us get into the top eight so we can save my job. And so that's why Blake came to the, the Pistons. That's why that trade took place. Is Blake Griffin the worst uh, star in the league? Oh, I wouldn't say that. Well, if he's your number one star, and I think we can all agree he is a star, your franchise isn't sitting in a great position. I agree with that. So so is he like, and I'm trying to say like, if you if you rounded up all the stars in the league and he was your guy, you probably feel pretty bad about your team, right? Is he a, is he a top twenty five player in the league? Yeah, maybe he's around there. Mm-hmm. He's not a slam dunk that he is in that group, right? No, especially the way that everything's moving towards having guards dominate the ball so much, shooting three, that his post game doesn't really fit. You know, think about how many games we saw the Pistons play in this last season, where like Blake's doing stuff as like a point power forward where he has the ball in the block, and then he crab dribbles out back to the three-point line, and he's trying to create. He had some incredible games this yeah, past oh, season, yeah. did he not? Yeah, and he's certainly a star. You know, like, But not a superstar. Well, Okay, who's in a better situation, the Pistons or the Hornets, if they could re-sign Kemba Walker? I think, I think most people in today's NBA would rather have Kemba Walker. You want right? that because of the guard play, and he can do a lot of things. As the Orlando Magic is on the clock at number 16, the Magic with Steve Clifford. Magic head coach Steve Clifford got that team into the playoffs this past season. That's a hell of a trick. Markel Fultz needs to rediscover his game, Chris. If by some basketball miracle that this happens, this team could have some versatility. Along with Mo Bamba, along with Jonathan Isaac, along with Aaron Gordon, this team could be able to, to do something – and here's why Steve Clifford is a big part of that. He's a terrific coach, I think, in this league as we go to Adam Silver. With the 16th pick in the 2019 NBA Draft, the Orlando Magic select Chuma Okiki from Auburn University. Mike Schmitz, Player Profile. Chuma Okiki was the glue that held Auburn together in terms of his defensive versatility, his feel, his passing, his unselfishness. Here's a guy who's six foot seven, 230 pounds with a seven foot wingspan and can step out and shoot the ball. He can handle, he can pass, he can switch ball screens. He's everything teams are looking for in a modern combo forward. But his season ended short due to an ACL tear. There are questions about just how quickly he's going to be able to come back and help you. And then on top of that, he doesn't always play with the most confidence or aggression. Let me ask you something, sir, yeah, about uh-huh. Chuma Okiki. Give it to me. Was Okiki the best available on the board for the Magic in that spot? I don't think so. Okay. So so you you are banking on what you saw in the Final Four, what you saw in the NCAA with Okiki not for next year, but for 2020-2021. Yeah, when, when you saw him tear his ACL uh, leaving the tournament, you know, that Auburn team was fun to watch yeah. uh, with that Final Four run that they went on. But 
Yeah, you're right. He's going to be a player that probably won't play next year. You know, it will be much like uh, what you saw with the Nuggets do with uh, Michael Porter, where Porter didn't play at all last year. And you wait, and then you hopefully turn him into a 3 and D player who can shoot, uh, who can be aggressive on the offensive boards for you and help you along. And it, are, you trying to, are you trying to win that or not? Yeah, th- that's where the team is the weird fit here, right? Like, I get the player, but the team. Like, the Magic don't need a project for a year from now. Do you understand why, when we watch these games in regular season, why half of these arenas are empty? Yeah, it's because of that. Of course. I mean, where's, I mean, if you're a Magic fan sitting at home like, yeah, all right, we got some young players, but here we go. We got somebody that can be able to step in right away. And you get a player you can't even use next year. And you still don't know what you have after next year with them coming off the ACL. You trying to win or not? Yeah. That, that is as bad as tanking in this league. Well, yeah, and, that, and that's where you get into the conversation of are you tanking or are you just bad? Or are you just a bad team? Because the Magic, even though you made the playoffs, what, what good was it? The core is the core. You know, with, with Fultz and Gordon and Isaac and Bamba, I'm just saying that, like, you know, you, if you're looking to have a little spark with your team, and yes, they did make the playoffs, and then there's value to that. Just the point is, is that you want to be able to have somebody that can help you right away with this core. And again, well, you're stockpiling draft picks, so you're already, you know, ass backwards. But just the idea that you, you are stashing this kid for a year plus. And you don't even know what you have now. What, what do you have in Mobamba? Well, that's a good question. Because that's a bit of a project, too, that's not ready to play right now either. You're listening to the 2019 NBA Draft Show on ESPN 1000 of the ESPN app with Chris Black, John Hood with you live from the Advocate Center in Chicago as the Brooklyn Nets on the board. Brooklyn is very interesting. Very interesting because their name continues to be bandied about as far as a team that could be able to do some things in free agency, including uh, Kyrie Irving. So at this, again, you're looking for a pick here in case Irving doesn't want to come to Brooklyn because he thinks that the earth is flat. You don't know what's going on in his mind. Do do you go with the lead guard here just in case? Well, they have Spencer Dimwitty as well, uh, who is a really good backup in case Kyrie doesn't come. And, and, you know, D'Angelo Russell could still be in play based on what fallout happens with Kyrie Irving. You know, the Nets were a fun, exciting team last season. Absolutely. Uh, Kenny Atkinson's a good coach. The way the team played overall, uh, new-age basketball, really working the margins and doing everything you need to to be competitive in today's day and age, even if you don't have the same talent level. So, yeah, a, a guard could definitely help. I could also see them going for some more shooting. Uh, I could also see them going for for some more help in the pain as well because really the the way the roster is set up, they don't have a true weakness. I think the fact that they just don't have a number one star is the weakness, which that could change this offseason. So we're keeping our eyes on Brooklyn as that uh, pick will be in. And then from there we got uh, the – see, we go from Brooklyn to Indiana with the number 18 pick here in the first round of the NBA draft. Yeah, and Indiana is someone to a, a team to watch as well because they, they have been loosely rumored in the same type of players that the Chicago Bulls are interested in in free agency, some vet players who could be on the move this summer as well. Uh, the coverage of tonight's draft show with myself, Chris Black, and Jonathan Hood tonight brought to you by Jewel Osco and Distinctive Gold Jewelry in Frankfurt. All right, and, and you're right. That Brooklyn team was really exciting. As a matter of fact, wouldn't surprise me if a key free agent or two decides that I'm going to go to New York, but just not the Knicks. I'll go to Brooklyn. 
Um, because hey, if you want to go to New York, it doesn't have to. You don't have to play at the Garden. You you could play at Barclays. And we thought, yeah, we thought that when Brooklyn, that when when the Nets moved from New Jersey to Brooklyn, that'd be an exciting team. Prokhorov, the owner, we thought things would turn around. And it's just been kind of stagnant, but now I see the arrow pointing up for Brooklyn. Yeah, and you know, like here's the thing: if you do it the right way, you all you all of a sudden become a player in free agency. Mm-hmm. You know, like like they they stayed the course, they they put together what they could, they found players who were available, and they maximized what they had with those players. They didn't have a lot of draft picks after the fallout of what took place with the Boston Celtics trade from years ago. So the Nets are a hot team. Here's Adam Silver. With the 17th pick in the 2019 NBA Draft, the Brooklyn Nets select Nikhil Alexander-Walker from Toronto and Virginia Tech. Mike Schmitz, Player Profile. Alexander-Walker, the first cousin of Shea Gilgis Alexander-Walker, one of the safer picks in the draft, given his positional size, ability to pass, dribble, and shoot. He thinks the game at a high level, he can shoot it off the catch, and he's a greatly improved defender, adding a lot of toughness under Buzz Williams. Now, he's not a great athlete. He doesn't change speeds or directions with much force. He needs to become more explosive around the rim and speed up his shot rules. All right, so Nikhil Alexander-Walker, the shooting guard, now a Brooklyn Net, Chris. Yeah, and I really like Walker, and we were just talking about what uh, we looked at with Orlando and what they were doing, and we also questioned what Boston did at 14 at the end of the lottery, taking Romeo Linkford. Uh, Alexander Walker is a really good player, and I think he's the type of player where you can kind of plug in, and you will see the growth that we saw from his cousin, Shea Gilgis Alexander, Mm -hmm. last season, and the impact impact he made for the Clippers, and I wouldn't be shocked if you saw the same type of impact for Nikel Alexander-Walker this season for the Nets. The Chicago Bulls select Kobe Kobe White, uh, the point guard from North Carolina, the number seven pick in the draft, Kobe White going to the Bulls. Uh, Some thoughts here from Brennan Haywood, Brennan Haywood, my colleague on SiriusXM NBA Radio and part of the Turner Group, talking about the pick Kobe White. Kobe White is somebody that really came out of nowhere because we all thought that Kobe White was going to have a good year, but we thought he was going to be somebody that stays for a couple of seasons and then maybe goes to the pros after two or three years. But it was clear to see early on that this kid was truly special. He worked on his game. He has the size. Strong guard. Reminds me of an early Gilbert Arenas. Not the finished product that was averaging 29 a game for the Washington Wizards, but when he first came out, you were like, what is Gilbert Arenas? Is he a point guard? Is he a two? And you had to figure it out. And guess what? We figured out that he's a baller. And that's exactly what Kobe White is. Kobe White is a baller. His game has the flash. He has the hair that I'm jealous of. Listen, Kobe White's going to do tremendous. I think he's going to be in a great fit. He's put into a great fit in Chicago. And I, I see nothing but upside for this kid. Okay, so here's the ad campaign for the Bulls this next season. Is he a point guard? Is he a shooting guard? He's a baller. Yes. Come on, Bulls basketball. He's a baller. Yes, he's he is. He's a baller. So there he is, Kobe White going to the Chicago Bulls. The Indiana Pacers, the interesting Pacers are on the clock. We'll tell you about their pick coming up next with Chris Black, Jonathan Hood, broadcasting live from the Advocate Center here in Chicago. The 2019 NBA draft continues after this on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. is the 2019 NBA Draft Show on ESPN 1000 with Jonathan Hood and Chris Black. 
Mike Schmitz. Player Profile. Goga Bitadze, seven-foot Georgian center, made a huge jump this past season playing for Badushnos in the EuroLeague. Had big game after big game at only 19 years old. He's really improved his perimeter shooting. He can step out and pop to three. He can score on the block. He's nimble as a roller with soft hands and touch and a solid overall feel for the game and great shot-blocking instincts on the other end of the floor. But he doesn't really fit the modern game in terms of its switchability. He's slow-footed on the perimeter, and he needs to improve his spastic nature. He's very foul-prone and he's not a great decision maker when pressured. So, uh, hey, uh, Eric, play that the beginning of that one more time. Play it one more time. Mike Schmitz, player profile. Gogo Bitadze, 7 Thank you very much. Bitadze is taken by Gogo Bitadze. Yes, Gogo Bitadze yes. going to the Indiana Pacers. It's always good when someone else says it. Yes. That way I make sure I got my pronunciation right. So, Goga. Gogo uh, Bitadze. Out of the Republic of Georgia. Uh, go Bulldogs. Uh, now part of the Indiana Pacers. Chris? The SEC? <laughs> well, I don't think he's good enough to be in the SEC. No, he, he played in the Turkish League last year. Um, you know what? Yeah. Everything I see, top 15, top 10. Yeah, the talent's there, and obviously it's going to be something where you look at whether or not he's going to be, and you heard Mike Schmidt say it there, does he fit today's NBA landscape? Skill level as a big is there. Aggressive on the block, aggressive under the the idea that he can uh, manipulate on the block, score, rebound, pass from there. Whether or not he's going to be able to fit in what the the NBA is currently showing is a whole other story. Indiana Pacers were a terrific story, I thought, this uh, past season, Chris, because the Pacers were a team uh, with the injury to Victor Oladipo. They were able to hang in there and really be kind of a blue-collar team for Nate McMillan. Yeah, we're five minutes away here at the Advocate Center from Kobe White joining the media uh, over the phone. So uh, that's what uh, here at the media uh, assembly at the Advocate Center is getting ready for. So Kobe White, the pick for the Chicago Bulls at 7. So we'll await for that. The Pacers have six free agents this summer, and Tyreek Evans, who would have been a free agent, has been suspended for two seasons, violating the league's drug policy. So right now, the San Antonio Spurs are on the clock. Who is likely to stay with the Spurs, Chris? Is it DeRozan or Aldridge? The Spurs could stand to find a center or maybe a power forward. Um, So let's keep our eyes on that to see exactly what the Spurs are going to do as we go to Adam Silver, the commissioner of the NBA. With the 19th pick in the 2019 NBA Draft, the San Antonio Spurs select Luka Samanich from Zagreb, Croatia. Mike Schmitz, Player Profile. Luka Samanich, a 6'11", versatile Croatian forward, was a big-time prospect by age 15 out of Croatia. Spent two years in Barcelona. His stock was dropping rapidly. Then he moved to Slovenia, played for Olympia Ljubljana, and really saved his draft stock at the NBA Combine. Shut it down. Thought teams saw everything they needed to see from him at 6'11", a guy who can step out, shoot the ball in the perimeter, switch ball screens, and handle. Now, there still are some questions about his toughness, his ability to handle at within a game and just what his elite skill is at the NBA level, but he has all the makings of a first-round pick and a potential draft day steal. Luka Samanich, the power forward from Croatia, who will be um, 
That is one of those things with the Spurs that they he will never see the floor for the Spurs. <laughs> as he, as, oh, as, come on. The Spurs love the Euros. No, Why not? They love to stash the Euros, yes. too, do they not? And then trade them off. What do you think of that pick? Uh, he displays intriguing ball handling potential. He's a skilled interior finisher with upside. He has good footwork no matter where he's at. An active off-the-ball uh, player who can cut and then get himself open. Uh, I think he is a perfect Spurs player. This is exactly the type of basketball they play, and uh, Lucas Samanich will uh, definitely fit in with the San Antonio Spurs, and I think it's also fascinating because he's one of those players, like you heard in the little uh, bio there, he left the combine after a day. So did someone promise him? Did the Spurs promise him? Did someone tell him, okay, you're, you're done here. You don't need to be here because we know what you are. You've proven it enough. You can leave. It reminds me of Chandler Hutchinson last season with the Chicago Bulls. I'm talking cheek when it comes to uh, to him not never seeing the floor with the Spurs, but the Spurs are good with utilizing European players and also stashing the Euro as well. Yeah, for sure. So uh, Kobe White is going to speak here momentarily. I want you to answer my question because you dodged it about DeRozan and Aldridge. Who is likely to stay with San Antonio? I think DeRozan. Right, you know, and LaMarcus Aldridge, for, for all that's taken place with the San Antonio Spurs, he's been awesome. But I think DeMar DeRozan is what you really build your team around. The Celtics are on the clock as you're listening to the 2019 NBA a draft here on ESPN 1000. Let's hear from Kobe White talking to the media here at the Advocate Center. Local media, I'm going to put Joe Cowley on from the Chicago Sun-Times. Okay. Kobe, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good. Uh, first... I'm great, actually. I'm great. <laughs> First question is, uh, you know, the 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 scouts the scouts have talked about your game and stuff. Do you think you're ready to be an NBA point guard, or do you think it's going to be a transition for you to improve the decision making, the passing, and, and the other aspects of, of playing that position? I mean, everything is going to be a transition. Uh, where I feel like for anyone, because you're playing against a, such higher competition, more athleticism, greater, best players, you know, better players. But I feel like. You know, everybody's going to have to make a transition. I think my transition will, you know, go over well. I learn quickly. Um, I'm a great listener, so I'm always trying to, you know, improve my game in many different ways. So, Yeah. Hi, Steve Leventhal, SRN. Kobe, how does it feel to be the first North Carolina player drafted in the first round by the Bulls since Michael Jordan? <laughs> it feels great. It feels great for sure. Um, you know, Michael Jordan was the best player to ever do it. So, uh yeah, I'm definitely blessed. Kobe, like all 60 guys who were drafted tonight, you're going to step into a, a heightened level of competition. What are your early thoughts about the, the competition level that you're about to face and how prepared are you to um, have that competition at the point guard position? Um, I feel like, the like you said, the competition level will, will increase for sure, a tremendous amount. But I feel like I'm prepared for it, man. With my, with my work ethic and how bad I want to be a better player and, you know, my, you know, willingness to learn and get better and think the game more. I feel like I'll make a smooth transition, and I think I'm prepared. Men, men, I'm definitely prepared mentally-wise to compete every every night. Uh, speaking of competition, you're going to have some as soon as you step into training camp with uh, the Bulls having already uh, Chris Dunn here, um, who started last season. Um, with you being the lottery pick of the Bulls now, are are you prepared to compete just within the to get the starting role on this team? Yeah, for sure. I've been competing all my life to, within the team. When I got to Kelowna, I had to compete for a starting spot. Um, I had to compete for the point guard spot. So competing, you know, it's in my blood, it's in my DNA. Um, we're going to go at it for sure. He, Chris Dunn's a great, 
great player. Um, but, you know, I just can't wait to get there and, you know, get to work. Hey, Kobe, you told us at the Combine you, you guys share the same agent. What is that like now that you guys are going to be teammates? And what has he told you about the Bulls, if you've had a chance to talk to him about the Bulls yet? I mean, I think it, I think it'd be really neat, really be cool that we have the same agent. Um, I haven't got a chance to talk to him, but hopefully, you know, soon I'll get a chance to speak with him. Hold on, Kobe. What uh, what things do you think translate from your game to the NBA level, and what things do you think you might need to work on at the next level? Um, I think well. Size and my position will translate well in the league. My speed, um, getting up on the court, my shot-making ability, my ability to uh, create my own shot, and, you know, um, my ability to play make. I think one thing I need to work on is not going the same speed the whole game, using my change of speed more. Uh, I think that'll help me a tremendous amount. And I've been working on that since I've been training in California with Don McClain. We've been working on it uh, a good amount. So I've been getting better at it. I'm still not where I need to be, obviously. But uh, I'm I'm working on it and getting better each and every day. Kobe, did you expect to get drafted by the Bulls tonight, or just what was kind of your expectation coming in, where you may go, and the feedback you'd receive leading up to tonight? Uh, if I'm being honest with you, I had no idea where I was going to go. Um, a lot of people, you know, were saying, like, you know, they asked me that same question, and I truly didn't know where I was going to go. And I told my agent, you know how you receive the call or wherever they're going to pick you. I told my agent that I didn't want to do that. I wanted it to be more of a surprise for me just because I, I had no idea where I was going to go. But I really lucked up. You know, I'm, I'm glad the Bulls put, put their trust in me and their confidence within me and selected me. Um, I'm joining a, a great organization with a great, with a great city and a great fan base. Kobe, I just wanted to piggyback on that a little bit. Did you not know until they called you, until Adam Silver called your name, or when did you find out, and how did you find out? Um, when he called my name, um, well, you kind of find out before that because the kind of the cameras kind of come around your table. But once the camera started to come around my table, um, I kind of figured that, and the Bulls had the next pick. I kind of figured that the Bulls were going to select me, and then he called my name. So, Kobe, uh, do you feel uh, having? played talent the likes of Duke and Virginia has helped you prepare for this? For sure. Not even them. You know, just the ACC overall. I'm playing against great point guards every night in college basketball. Um, from Virginia, Todd Jerome, Trey Jones to Miami's uh, Chris Likes, Virginia Tech's Justin Robinson. So, uh, Kyle Bowman from Boston College. So, I'm playing against, you know, talented point guards every night in the ACC. So, I think it helped me a tremendous amount. Kobe, you wrote a very powerful and poignant essay in the Players' Tribune about your, your late father. What do you think he'd be saying to you right now, tonight? You're telling me how proud, I, proud, uh, proud he was, you know, for me and how, how, how he loved me. And, uh, you know, he just told me, but well, this is only the beginning for me. Um, I got a lot of success coming my way. I just got to continue to stay on the right path, you know, continue to be who I am, be myself, stay true to myself, never forget where I came from, and just continue to, to work, you know, work, work like I have done all my life. Kobe, how do you feel about the fact that your teammate Cam Johnson uh, rose up to the ranks and got picked at number 11? I feel great. Uh, I, I was doing actually the media interview with all the cameras when you, I think my reaction would go viral. But, uh, nah, I was doing it's great, man. It, like, I, like I was saying in the, in the interview, it's so amazing because no one sees the time and work that he puts in, not only uh, on the court but off the court, you know, and just making sure everything's good. And uh, I'm so I'm so happy for him. Extremely extremely happy for him. 
Like, I feel like he earned it. You know, a lot of people say age, 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 but I feel like disregarding his age and disregarding all that, he's, he's a player and he can shoot the, the mess out of the ball. So I feel like that he's going to bring shooting and a lot of leadership and wisdom to a team. Hey, Kobe, what did uh, Wendell Carter say to you, and did he tell you anything about the Bulls or the program or Coach Boylan, what to expect? We didn't get a chance to really talk. He just, he, he, you know, he dapped me up, told him he welcomed me, you know, welcomed me to the city um, in, a, in a good way. So uh, that was pretty much it. I had to do all the media stuff, so I had to get going. But I already kind of knew Wendell. He played with uh, Team CP3 when we was um, – in high school, he played for the older. His last year of age, he played for the older team. So, kind of already knew him. You know, knew what type of guy he was. I know he's a he's a great guy. So, Kobe, what do you know about the city of Chicago, and what are you most looking forward to doing when you get here? <laughs> I know it's, it gets cold in the winter, <laughs> but other than that, man, I know it's a great city. Um, ever since you know, even here, you know, I just got drafted not too long ago, but they've been telling me that Chicago is a great city. Um, you know, I never lived outside of North Carolina my whole life, my whole 19 years of living. So um, I'm excited for change, especially when it's a great change for me. Um, I just can't wait to get there, you know, go explore a little bit, but mainly just, you know, get there and, and, and get to work. Hey, Kobe, a couple of reporters have written that you didn't work out for the Bulls, but you were here Saturday to interview with them in the building. Is that true? And what went into the decision to not work out for this team? Um, yeah, it was true. I went and interviewed. I didn't work out. Just a combine testing, but the interview was great. The meeting with Coach Bowling was great. Um, you know, and I think it says a lot that for me not to work out and they still selected me. I think it says a lot for me and uh, you know, how much they trust me and have, have confidence in me. So, you know, I'm excited about that, and I'm just excited to get there and, you know, be with my, you know, my teammates and just get to work. Hold on. All right. Hey, Kobe, um, in that meeting with uh, Jim Boylan, what did you learn about him and the expectations that he would have of you um, to join the Bulls? I learned that he's, he's my type of coach, man. Straightforward, um, get down to business, very hands-on, which is what I loved. Uh, he even had, you know, uh, he studied my game, showed me film on the whiteboard, showed me everything that I can work on and everything that, that's going to translate. And uh, I loved it, man. I, like I, I told, you know, my agents and my family after the meeting with, you know, Coach Boylan, it was great. I loved it. You know, it was it was the the best individual meeting I had with a coach. So it was great. You know, I love a coach that's gonna push you to your limits and you know want the team to be the best they can be, but not you know also want you to be the best they can be. Okay. Thank you for your time, Kobe. Thank you. So the thoughts there from Kobe White of the Chicago Bulls meeting with the media just moments ago. He sounds excited. He sounds ready to go. It sounds like the interview he had here at the Advocate Center this week went really well and that uh, Kobe White's ready to compete and to be a Chicago Bull for the future. You're listening to the 2019 NBA Draft Show here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app with Chris Black, Jonathan with you. We've got to do a little catch up here because right now we're at number 21, the Thunder are on the clock. Yeah, and this pick will actually be Memphis because Memphis and the Thunder have traded in the last couple of minutes since we've been listening to the teleconference from Kobe White. So Memphis will take this 21st pick that will be picked here in moments, and the Thunder will move back to 23, which was Utah's pick, which would then trade it to Memphis, which is now the Thunder. So we're going to kind of 
clear that up with those two. So the Thunder are on the clock right now, but that will go to Memphis. The pick before that, though, we missed one pick during that teleconference. Yeah, and that's Boston's 20th pick, and that's actually going to Philly. Uh, Matthias Thiebel mm-hmm. will go to Philly, even though he was selected by the Celtics, and the Celtics are getting back picks 24 and 33. Yeah, so that is the the way things are going right now. Oklahoma City Thunder are on the clock. One thing I do want to point out, and the pick is in for Oklahoma City, so we're going to get to that in just a moment. I um, in that uh, teleconference, he said he never Kobe White said he never worked out for the Bulls. He had a press, he had a conversation with the Bulls on Saturday, yeah. but there was no workout there. That surprise you? He also didn't know that he was going to be the Bulls' pick until he was told at the draft. Until we announced Kobe White was going to be the pick. So uh, is that just uh, good intel as we go to Adam Silver in Brooklyn? With the 21st pick in the 2019 NBA draft, the Oklahoma City Thunder select Brandon Clark from Vancouver and Gonzaga University. Mike Schmitz. Player Profile. Clark, one of the most efficient players in all of college basketball, finished with the second highest PER right behind Zion Williamson. He is a pogo stick athlete, finishes everything above the rim, and despite having a 6-8 wingspan, blocked over four shots for 40 minutes. He has incredible timing and instincts and can switch out on the perimeter as well, but traditional scouts are questioning his upside a little bit. He's older, he's 22 years old, he doesn't shoot threes, he doesn't have great length, and he needs to improve as a ball handler and a facilitator. Second Bulldog off the board here in the first round. Brandon Clark the Gonz- from Gonzaga, the power forward, proposed trade to Memphis, uh, the super versatile defender who plays team-first basketball and has made encouraging progress on offense. Clark, uh, the pick at number 21. Yeah, and Oklahoma City will take the 23rd selection that was Utah's, that went to Memphis, and then is now in this deal. So the Thunder will be at 23, at 21. Memphis gets Clark, and Clark adds with John Morant and what the, the Grizzlies are building there. Jaron Jackson last season, and you add Clark into this group. I, I This is an exciting young group of players for the Grizzlies. The uh, Kobe White press conference, um, and, and again, we heard what he had to say, and did not work out with the Bulls. Yeah, so is it is it good intel that the Bulls had their guy picked, but yet they didn't even allow him to know that that's where they were zoning in on? I don't know. I mean, why'd you hide it from him? Well, I mean, yeah, no, that's maybe. <laughs> but but the way the the night kind of unfolded, where we weren't sure if a point guard would be sitting at seven. You're playing a game of poker with all the other GMs as well. So if you hold the cards and you don't allow him to even know that that's who you're going after, maybe then you guarantee it won't leak out and that someone could jump you at six or five to then get that player. And we know that Minnesota was shopping the pick at six, and maybe you know, if you know, it seemed obvious, though. This isn't like a surprise pick. But if someone knew, yeah, the Bulls are absolutely taking Kobe White and we we need to go get him, Maybe they jump up for six because the Timberwolves had that pick shopped. Uh, it's interesting. Nasir Little is still on the board. That might be the next pick here at 22. As you mentioned, this this is Boston's uh, pick originally, but is going to another team, right? Or is this Boston's third pick? This, this will be Boston. This will be the third pick that they have. So they, well, again, we have to, it's still to be determined whether they're going to keep that pick, but this will be officially the 22nd pick for the Celtics coming up here. 
Uh, they've got so many draft picks that you, if you're the Celtics, yeah, Chris, you just just you got to move some of these picks to be able to find talent at this point in time. Because if Horford for sure and Kyrie Irving is not coming back, you need bodies quickly. Right, and and you you said it. Uh, they have two picks coming up in in the next three. So they have twenty two, which was their own pick coming into this uh, NBA draft, and then they swapped for twenty four with Philly as Philly took their twentieth pick. So they're gonna have sitting there. They're gonna have twenty two and twenty four coming up in the next couple of minutes. And you're right, they need bodies who can play. Um, they also can kind of afford. A couple projects. Is that where you look at Kevin uh, Johnson? Kevin Porter. Uh, Kevin Porter, and then you look at Bull Bull. You know, well, Jonathan, we're getting to that point in the lot in, in the first round there where we're at 22, 23, 24. Someone's got to take Bull. The Celtics have two picks here coming up. Could you imagine him in Boston? <laughs> I mean, that, I mean, listen, I know that he's going to be picked. I know we had um, D Brown on the program last night, yeah. and also um, a Hot Take Ryan Hollins. Also, they both like Bowl because they're just interested in the project of what Bowl can be. For those that don't know, that is a the son of Manute Bowl. Manute Bowl was a seven six seven seven player that could shoot threes um, as kind of a, almost like a gimmick. Uh, but he was uh, just tall, athle- you know, unathletic, but he just had a lot of size. And Bol Bol is a little bit different because he can actually run the floor as a point guard, but the injury situation, well, is, you know, is, is his body prepared for an 82-game season? If someone's unaware, uh, Bol Bol coming into last season was ranked the, top, the fourth top prospect into last year's college basketball season. Right. His stats were fantastic. The problem is he got hurt, and he had the big man injuries that you fear of. Stress fractures in the foot that led to him not playing the rest of the season. So you you kind of question going forward, is he, A, going to be able to stay healthy? B, is he going to be able to develop in the NBA game where he's not just going to be able to out-athletic people? Because in college basketball in the Pac-12, he was able to take one dribble, get all to, all the way to the rim, or shoot over people. In the NBA, can he develop that? So it's something that kind of... Keep your eye on with Bull Bull because coming into the season, he was projected to be a really good player in college basketball, and he got hurt. And then his draft stock fell. If we told people that Nick Friedel is with us here uh, doing this draft show, people oh, would re- mean. well, people would uh, agree because during oh, this okay. time, this yeah. is where Nick would just kind yes. of nod off. He would just kind of just space out on us. So Nick, you okay? If, if Nick was here. Nick? It would be the same, right? So, hoodie, so hoodie, I'm just, this is too much, hoodie. <laughs> I remember the first draft show. He <laughs> just, the poor guy, he needed to be taken out in a wheelchair. <laughs> he didn't know what to do um, because, it was, because the, the coverage was so long. Nick, your thoughts on the Nets? Hoodie. They just don't have enough. Just, just not enough, hoodie. <laughs> Oh, man. Nick, your uh, you, thoughts on the magic? Hoodie, they just don't have it. <laughs> That's pretty much was the analysis. You mentioned uh, Rozier. Yeah. Uh, how he's a restricted free agent. Yeah. You don't think Rozier's coming back, do you? Well, okay. So with all the cap space that's out there and with the limited number of top-level free agents who may or may not leave teams, don't you feel like uh, Terry Rozier is the type of player that's going to get a max offer sheet, or not a max deal, but like a big offer sheet big for offer someone sheet. that has cap space and the Celtics are going to go, all right, just go go ahead, just move along. Bulls? And I know, but even, even the fact that with Kyrie not necessarily in the fold next year because he may leave too, 
would the Celtics be better off just drafting a new point guard and just being done with the Rozier Kyrie Irving experiment? Seems like it's just a start over. Well, that's what's so My weird God, about this offseason. Right. <laughs> they were the it team last year. Everyone was picking them to go to the finals, except me. But everyone was picking them to go to the finals. You remember that podcast we did? I picked the Raptors. Here's Adam Silver. Yeah, you're welcome. 19 NBA draft. The Boston Celtics select Grant Williams from the University of Tennessee. Mike Schmitz, player profile. Grant Williams, one of the most productive players in the country, posted the fifth highest PER in the entire draft and has some things to like in terms of his modern fit, especially on the defensive end of the floor. He's tough. He's physical. 240-pound frame. He'll throw his weight around on the glass. He'll step in and take a charge, and he can protect the rim and switch in a pinch. Offensively, he thinks the game at a high level. He's improved as a perimeter shooter, but there are questions amongst teams about his upside. He has under a 6'10 wingspan, doesn't have a great standing reach, pretty much anchored to the floor on both ends, and just really needs to improve his perimeter skill set as well. Shot only 31% from three as a junior. My friend, with Moran off the board, Culver off the board, with Alexander Walker off the board, Grant Williams was the next player that was one of the best playmakers regardless of position. Uh, Grant Williams in, in Tennessee, he, they ran the offense through him as the junior forward, 18 points a game, 56% shooting, 3.2 assists, 6'8", 240. Um, not a post player necessarily on this next level, but a guy that was a playmaker for sure for the Volunteers. Crafty interior scorer. He's an excellent screener. Tennessee ran a lot of their offense through him, even though he's a forward and he was on the block. He is an improved three-point uh, shooter as a spot-up player. He has high IQ. He's a really good player. This is a good pick for the Boston Celtics. Yep. I know we can go back to earlier in the night when at 14 at the end of the lottery, they selected Romeo Lankford. I don't know about that, but this is a good pick in Grant Williams going to the Celtics at number 22. The Chicago Bulls take Kobe White with the number 7 pick. We'll review that, and we will watch the Utah Jazz on the clock at number 23. As you're listening to the 2019 NBA Draft Show with Chris Black, Jonathan Hood with you on WMVP Chicago. Now back to our coverage of the 2019 NBA Draft on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Along with Chris Black, here's Jonathan Hood. Live from the Advocate Center in Chicago, this is the 2019 NBA Draft Show here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Along with UIC Flames color analyst Chris Black, I'm Jonathan Hood. Thanks so much for being with us here for our wall-to-wall coverage of the NBA Draft right here on ESPN 1000. And our coverage tonight is brought to you by Jewel Osco and Distinctive Gold Jewelry in Frankfurt. Limited commercial interruption tonight, Jonathan, as we go through the first round of the NBA draft. We'll hear from the Bulls front office later on tonight as the Bulls select Kobe White, number 7 overall tonight. 16.1 points a game, 3.5 rebounds, 4 assists. A speed demon who has no fear when scoring the basketball. He is best in the open floor. And here's Adam Silver with the Jazz pick. The last guard that I've seen that came in the league with with strength, with speed, and can really shoot it was Agent Zero, Gilbert Arenas. And this kid really reminds me of him. I mean, nobody in the world can stop Gilbert. If this kid, Kobe, Cody White, is, is the player that we think he will be, that, of course, Reese thinks he will be, Gilbert Arenas is his comp. 
Mike Schmitz. Player Profile. Baisley skipped college for an internship at New Balance, opting to train and work on his game. Now, scouts hadn't really seen him until the NBA Combine, but he showed out, impressing scouts with his athleticism, his physical tools, his defensive versatility, and his ability to make plays with the ball. But at 18 years old, not playing a college season, there are questions about just how quickly he'll be able to help an NBA franchise, and he needs to improve as a perimeter shooter as well. So Darius Basley, he goes to the Utah Jazz, Chris, and this more or less a project for the Utah Jazz. Yeah, the Jazz were the team on the clock. This pick was actually traded to Memphis in the Mike Conley deal, and that pick tonight was then traded with Oklahoma City uh, just a few minutes ago. So Oklahoma City uh, swapped back with the uh, 23rd pick and the 21st pick. So Memphis took that selection at 21, and at 23 will be the Thunder taking Darius Baisley. Uh, Coming into the season, the draft class for 2018, uh, ESPNU had Baisley ranked as the 13th top prospect. And as you heard Mike Schmidt talk about there, this is an interesting player to talk about. He decided to take an internship with New Balance. He was paid over the course of this five-year internship $200,000 in base salary a year for five years. He can earn up to $14 million uh, per year, if not total, based on incentives that he can make as an employee from New Balance, Mm -hmm. as a pro athlete as well. He decided to forego college basketball last season. He gets picked in the first round tonight. He will play for the Thunder. Uh, This is one of those individuals who challenged the standard way of doing things in college basketball and then going to the NBA. He found a different way. Uh, Rich Paul and Clutch Sports are the ones that uh, sponsored this and set this up with New Balance. It's an interesting case study because if he turns out to be a really good player, especially in year one for the Thunder, everyone's going to be promoting, why, why even go to college basketball? If you can learn skills and you can still be a productive athlete and eventually get drafted in the first round, why would you even go to college basketball? They can hold this Basley pickup as a model for this. Exactly. If I did it, why can't you do it? Right. Yeah, so it makes a lot of sense. The... at this point in time, as we take a look at the draft, we have Philadelphia that's next, followed by Portland and then Cleveland from Houston in the first round of our NBA draft coverage here on ESPN 1000, the ESPN app. Before we go into the Kobe White pick for the Bulls, let me point out something about Oklahoma City. If the Thunder don't find shooting, Chris, they will always be in the same place, period. The, the Thunder need shooting desperately at, the, at this spot in the draft. They need to be able to find players that can be able to help them right away as far as shooting. Russell Westbrook and Paul George. One player has a super max in, in Westbrook, a max contract, four years, $136 million for Paul George. And the team is good enough to be able to get in the mix in the playoffs, but there's a ceiling to their success. The team is good, but will they be known as just that team that was just good enough to get to the playoffs and not be able to surpass that? Yeah, it's the question in the NBA where if you have stars, how many stars and and what is their uh, how how much do they uh, shine brightly to be able to take you to the next level? Paul George, Russell Westbrook, those are two bona fide stars. Those are two really good players in the league. But you know they they couldn't even win in the first round of the playoffs this season this year right you know and like throughout the season there were times where they're playing like the third best team in the west and then they would dip back down 
And you really don't know what the second wave is. You're right. They need shooting. They need three-point shooting. But a part of that is because their best player is bad from three. And other teams who play Russell Westbrook defensively, especially in a seven-game series, say, all right, Russ, take your shots. We'll let you shoot from three because you'll shoot your team out of the series. Philadelphia is on the clock right now, Chris, at 51-31 and 31 last year, and they have a plethora of picks. Yeah, and this is actually uh, from Adrian Wojnarowski because this pick was traded with Boston from earlier tonight. Uh, the 20th pick. Go ahead. The 20th pick for uh, Boston. So here, uh, Boston with the 24th and 33, Philly with the 20th. Uh, and that's where you see Boston is trading this 24th pick to the Suns the for Adrian Wojnarowski. In the 2019 NBA draft. The Philadelphia 76ers select Ty Jerome from the University of Virginia. Mike Schmitz, player profile. Jerome, a national champion and arguably the best pick and roll passer in the draft. Six foot five, can see over the top of the defense and moves defenders with his eyes. He's extremely crafty around the rim as a finisher. He has floaters. And despite the fact that he doesn't have great length or the quickest feet, he is a hard-nosed defender with great instincts. Now, he struggles to get by defenders, more athletic defenders in the half court. Virginia played at a very slow pace. So if a team wants to get up and down and run and gun, they're questions about just how Ty Jerome will adjust. Ty Jerome from Virginia, selected by the 76ers. Um, Jordan Cornett's very high on Ty Jerome. He thinks that that uh, is uh, the right spot for Jerome. Late first round, here we are at the number 24 pick. Ty Jerome uh, picked by the Sixers. He doesn't do anything that like really thrills you, but he's a solid player. So I understand why Jordan Cornett, and I heard him on your show last night talk about it, that he is a really solid player, you know, coming off the screen roll, finding a big, rolling to the basket. He's able to shoot from three. He's controlled. He's smart. I, I think he's a really good player. Uh, and absolutely at that spot at 24, I think it makes sense. Trailblazers are on the clock now as you're listening to the 2019 NBA Draft Show here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. With Chris Black, Jonathan Hood with you live from the Advocate Center for our draft coverage. Chauncey Billups got a chance to talk about the, what the Bulls did by selecting Kobe White, the point guard from North Carolina, 16 points a game, an energy player for North Carolina, now part of the Bulls. Here's the comp that Chauncey Billups from ESPN came up with. The last guard that I've seen that came in the league with with strength, with speed, and can really shoot it was Agent Zero, Gilbert Arenas. And this kid really reminds me of him. I mean, nobody in the world can stop Gilbert. If this kid, Kobe, Cody White, is, is the player that we think he will be, that, of course, Reese thinks he would be, Gilbert Arenas is his comp. Yeah, we talked about uh, Gilbert Arenas and how uh, great a player he was with Washington. Terrific player for him. And, and again, for Kobe White, it's just about trying to get some energy in this offense. We didn't see that a lot of that last year, and White could be that player for the Bulls. Yeah, you, he uses his dribble to create space, and that's where he can only he could use it for his own shot or to create for others. And I know most people would point to the fact that he played point guard last year basically, basically because North Carolina needed a point guard. He came to North Carolina as a scorer, as a shooting guard. So he's the type of player that has all the crafty little dribble uh, moves to create space for himself off-the-dribble threes, being able to come off pick-and-rolls, being able to find a big. So the passing, for me, I'm not as concerned about because it's more important that he can create his own shot and he can get his shot whenever he wants to. And I, I think it's a major plus for the Chicago Bulls. You know, a couple of things that we knew about this team, they went 22-60 and 60 last year. 
on offense, they were terrible. 29th in offensive efficiency. They're 20th in pace. Uh, they only attempted 25.9 three-point shots per game, which was 27th in the league. They need three-point shooting. They need a point guard who can push the pace, who can get into the lane, create for others, and that's exactly what Kobe White can do. Portland Trailblazers are on the clock. They're about... Uh about a minute and a half away from their pick. Portland is pretty much set, but they do need some bench help. Someone maybe behind Lillard, maybe behind McCollum as far as the lead guard position, maybe the two-guard spot. Um, and Nasir Little is sitting <laughs> waiting for a spot. There's a couple others that are waiting as well. But Portland, as far as their main characters, are pretty much set, are they not? Yeah, absolutely. Some other names, Bull Bull. Uh, you have Kevin Porter on the board. You have uh, Keldon Johnson all on the board. Some good players that are going to help the Blazers going forward. Uh, and then also this offseason, if you're Portland, do you have enough with your core group to take out the Western Conference? You, well, got, you got to the Conference Finals, and now the Warriors are depleted. So do you have, do you just stay pat, or do you go try and uh, make a move to try and land Jimmy Butler or something like that? Anybody in the Western Conference, because the Warriors will not win the title next year, needs to be able to step your game up uh, just another step. Because even if yeah. you're satisfied with your, the, the roster that you have, Chris, you have to look at it and say, well, the Lakers are trying. Portland's always been good. Oklahoma City's good. Jazz good. But you can't just stand pat. You've got to do what you can because now it's roll the dice. Yeah. People have been looking for parity. Not enough parity in the NBA. Where's the parity in the NBA? Well, you got it now. All of the top-heavy teams in the West and an Eastern Conference team won the championship this past season. So now if you're a Western Conference team, again, very talented, but you've got to be able to take another step because it's open now, I think, in the Western Conference. And I love Dame. I love C.J. McCollum. It's really uh, what Portland has built with Neil O'Shea and what they kind of have. I, I think it's it, it, it's here's what I like about it. They stuck to what they were doing. And they didn't um, make a move in the last couple of years based on the fact that they they lost in the second round. And based they they're letting this team grow. And they have two stars. And and I think based on what we're talking about that the, the Blazers have an opportunity to win the Western Conference. Yeah. It, it's wide open now. I know the Lakers are going to be good, but again, two players are not an entire roster. You've got to fill out the rest of that roster. They have no one else on the team. We'll see how that goes. Teams that are established, Chris, like a Portland Trail Blazers team, right? Yeah. Well, it's not just McCollum and Lillard. They have a system in place where I thought they were, a little, they were better on the defensive end, I thought, than they were in the last few years. There was a little bit more of attention to detail defensively for Portland. So if you are, you're trying to, now in this draft, you want to be able to get some depth here, I think, in the backcourt. I think that's where they're going to go here with this draft pick. But, you know, you've got to catch it now. Before Portland get before Golden State gets healthy again, they also have a star that wants to be there. Yeah. You know, Damian Lillard has created no uh, problems for the Portland front office. I know before Paul Allen passed away last year, he met with Paul Allen to make sure he knew that he wanted to be with the Portland Trailblazers. You know, when you land that star in the NBA, it's also difficult to convince that star to stay for the long term. And Dame's bought in. Uh, Adrian Wojnarowski is reporting that the Suns are sending the Celtics a 2020 first-round pick via the Bucks in the Ty Jerome trade. 
Uh, that is uh, coming across now. Boston trading 24 to the Suns, who are focused on Ty Jerome. And so the Suns sending the Celtics a 2020 first-round pick via Milwaukee in the Ty Jerome trade. Yeah, so this uh, this was a doubler, right? Because this pick was already traded tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was in the Boston-Philly trade from earlier in the evening where uh, Boston had the 20th pick. They traded that to Philly. Boston got back 24 and 33. This pick was 24. Now it's being traded to the Suns. Ty Jerome will be a Sun. Interesting draft for the Suns tonight. We're going to have more on Ty Jerome in just a moment, but here's the Commissioner Adam Silver. In the 2019 NBA draft, the Portland Trailblazers select Nasir Little from the University of North Carolina. Mike Schmitz, player profile. Little is a prototype wing at six foot six, seven one wingspan, strong frame, can play above the rim in space, defends multiple positions, and he's a better shooter than he showed at North Carolina. But he did not have an impressive season as a freshman in Chapel Hill, struggling to think the game, struggling to make his teammates better. And on the defensive end, his motor was far too up and down. He's going to need to be an energy guy early on in the NBA, so teams want to see him play with more consistent energy and effort. Nasir Little uh, was projected in a lot of places, top 10, top 12, uh, goes 25. Yeah, and coming into the season, a lot of people thought, like you said, he would be a top 10 pick. Yep. Um, flaky off the ball defender, gets caught off uh, out of position way too often. Uh, he has the ideal body for positionless basketball, though. He is a 3 and D player with defensive upside, uh, so I could see him fitting really well with what the Blazers are doing because the Blazers don't need someone to shoot the basketball. They need someone to play defense, give good energy minutes, and, and really uh, supplement what they really have. And knowing the Portland Trailblazers, they'll find minutes for someone that athletic, right? Yeah, for sure. Uh, as you're listening to the 2019 NBA Draft Show here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app, live from the Advocate Center along with Chris Black, Jonathan Hood with you as we give you wall-to-wall coverage of the 2019 NBA Draft here on ESPN 1000. Okay, speaking of um, Jerome, we were talking about um, about how he's been moved around a couple places here. Uh, again, a, a lead guard that is was destined to be a first-round pick. Jordan Cornette from ESPN 1000, part of Spanning Company, was in studio with me saying how much he really liked Jerome. Ty Jerome is a guy that nobody seems to love because he doesn't jump the highest. He doesn't move great laterally. He's not going to win in the sprint. He may not embarrass you with the crossover and, and get into the lane like that, but he can do that. Ty Jerome, to me, is a guy that's going to have a long career in this league. And I'm telling you, day one can have an impact on a franchise. People got him in the lower end of the first round. And that's a guy that has great value. And he's a winner. Sorry. So the thoughts there from uh, Jordan Cornette. The coffee just kicked in there. Uh, Number 26 is the Cavs. That'll be coming up next. So uh, let me just paint the picture here. Yeah. Sir Little has been sitting in his red suit uh, waiting to be picked for a long time. And finally, he, you know, his family kind of got off slowly with the slow hug, saying, man, it's about time. So him, along with um, Keldon Johnson, also been sitting there waiting to be picked. Yeah, Keldon Johnson, Bull Bull on the, on the board Bull still. Bull's there, yeah. Kevin Porter is on the board still. Um, Kevin Porter really dropping. He, he is a player many oh. said had the talent to go in the lotto. Well, they saw what happened last year with yeah. Denver, right? I mean, yeah. his cousin... His cousin, Michael Porter? Is it? 
I don't know. Was it? I mean, a Porter from Denver uh, was. Yeah, a, Michael Porter. He he played at uh, Missouri. I'm not sure if they're cousins or not. Hmm. Well, I just know that that young man was sitting and uh, was going to be a health risk. Bulls couldn't took him. They did not. And so now another situation where there's a health risk and he's dropping like a rock, this young man here. Yeah, and uh, you take a look at the Cavs now sitting at 26. Uh, Cleveland tonight has had an interesting draft to this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Cavs at this point, uh, they've traded back, and then they also collected uh, Darius Garland who's the point guard that everyone was clamoring for here at the Advocate Center. And then it kind of just played out where they selected Garland and then Colby White fell to the Chicago Bulls at seven. And and the Bulls didn't have to do anything, didn't have to give anything up, and they got their point guard for the future. You don't believe in beeline. I can tell that right now. Before we even go through like podcasts and start previewing the season, I I think that you look at beeline as you look at like Montgomery with Golden State or – <laughs> you know, or, or like uh, you know, John, like uh, Tarkanian with San Antonio. You just don't think that. You think an age standpoint, and maybe just a disconnect from high level college to the pros that there might be a problem for Beeline, especially wow. with a bad program like Cleveland. Oh, well, listen, it, it's not an ageism thing. I, I think he, he certainly could be a great coach. I just think it's not something you see. Old. Yeah, well, well, especially getting your first NBA gig at that age. That's that's why it's just not something you see. Right. Saying he can't do it, I, I mean, he's a really good coach. He absolutely could. Um, and he's going to have a really dynamic backcourt. Colin Sexton and Darius Garland, those are two really good players. So, I mean, you know how it is. I, I think here, – here's the thing. With Beeline, what was the, the key to his success at Michigan? Awesome out of timeouts. Okay, and that works in the NBA. Awesome out of timeouts. The, the best coach in, the, in college basketball out of timeouts. Okay, and that's exactly what you need in, in the NBA. You need a coach to manage situations. You don't really need the X's and O's as much as you do out of timeouts, when to use rotational players, when to put guys in at the end of quarters, managing minutes. That's the key in the NBA. Not as much of the, here, go set a screen here and get this guy open. A lot of players know how to play when you get to the NBA. Right, like it helps, but a lot of the other uh, things that go into coaching is something that not all coaches who go from college to the NBA really grasp. You know, and I think a perfect example is what we saw here in Chicago with Fred Hoiberg. Right, you can say you have a system, but the flow of a game, working guys in with rotations, maximizing out of timeouts, all that stuff seemed to be a miss for Fred. I think that the Cavs have to do more to get rid of some of these other veterans if they can, and that means. Kevin Love, you've got to be able to start moving some of these contracts because the only way this works is if Beeline is working with an all-young core. Now, I get you fired quickly, yeah. too, but at the same time, you're hoping that kids that you have on your, in your team will be able to be more coachable than veteran players would be. As we turn to the commissioner, Adam Silver, with the Cleveland Cavaliers pick at number 26. With the 26th pick in the 2019 NBA Draft... The Cleveland Cavaliers select Dylan Windler from Belmont University. Mike Schmitz, player profile. Windler, the 6'8 wing out of Belmont, one of the most productive players in the country, a true shooting percentage of 68 this past season as a senior. He can do it in a variety of ways. He shoots it with range off the catch, off the bounce. He's a tremendous cutter, the most efficient scorer out of cuts in all of college basketball this past season. And then he's a high-level rebounder, grabbing 12 rebounds per 40 minutes, just has impressive instincts at 6'8". But 
196 pounds. Not the most physical guy. He's going to struggle a little bit on the defensive end of the floor and doesn't have all that much in his game off the dribble. So the pick there, uh, Windler going to the Cleveland Cavaliers. You know I'm surprised that. Yeah. Chris, I'm surprised that this was not a Spurs pick, right? It's an obscure college in Belmont. It has some impressive numbers, still a little bit of a project, but the the numbers are eye-popping, but the Cavs might have something here in Windler. He, he also is older. Uh, he's 22, mm-hmm. uh, so he's been in school for a long time, and even though you, you the shot is there, he is what he is, right? Like, you're not expecting him to come in and completely change his game over the course of time. You know he's going to come in. He's going to be a good off-the-ball cutter. He's going to find his open shots. He's going to hit them down, and, and that's what you saw. 21 points per game at Belmont last year, 10 rebounds per. He was a really productive player in college. Now can you translate that to the next level? Brooklyn has traded the number 27 pick to the Clippers. So even though Brooklyn was, was on the clock with three and a half minutes left for that pick, now that is the Clippers pick at number 27 as we speak here. As you're listening to the 2019 NBA Draft Show here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app, with Chris Black, Jonathan Hood with you as we broadcast live from the Advocate Center. So Brooklyn back on the clock here. Um, from Brooklyn's standpoint, sixth in the East, 42-40 and 40 last year. They already had a, a, a nice uh, pickup in Alexander Walker. Here, here's what you're looking for. Either you are going to eventually move this pick if you're the Nets, or you're just looking for some depth. But I'm looking for another step from the Nets here this upcoming season. Of course, if Kyrie Irving is with the Nets, that you're now you might be talking about deep playoff run with Kyrie, right? So, like, like the Nets have a couple of picks here. You know, again, you, you don't want to stockpile too many, but really, I'm looking at the core and what free agency could bring for Brooklyn. Yeah, and if this thing is being moved uh, to the Clippers. Uh, then you would also say kind of along the same lines. The Clippers are going to be good next year, and they need to cut salary. So if you have draft picks, that means you're not using those positions for players you have to sign because you have two max slots. So they need to hold all that cap space that they can, uh, and that might be where the Clippers might identify someone and say, we have to move up to get this guy because we know we're going to be spending all our cash on Kawhi Leonard and name a, a free agent. Kemba Walker, Jimmy Butler, mm-hmm. Kevin Durant. Oh, wait, has he been rumored for the Clippers yet? So that, so there's the, the reason. They moved this pick because of what you just talked about, right? That's the reason why they want to do this, because they don't want to stockpile too many young players. They already have a nice core, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely, yeah. for sure. I get it. Yep. Uh, let's see what else Woj has to say. Clippers are... are Clippers have a, a number of choices they can go here. Uh, Bull Bull still available. Kevin Porter Jr. still available on the board, and so is Keldon Johnson, the small forward from Kentucky. Yeah, and Kevin Porter still on the board. Uh, Bull Bull, you know, and, and here's what's interesting. I heard you talk to a bunch of people throughout the week about Bull Bull. Very polarizing player. Yes, a lot of people see the talent and see what he brings to the table as far as the freak ability. And just the long arms, the size, the ability to shoot from three, to do all this stuff. And I wonder how that's going to translate to the next level because we kind of saw that in Giannis Antetokounmpo, didn't we? Yep. A player that looked like, how is he going to play on the NBA level? Right? Like, he's way too skinny, long arms, long legs. How is this going to work? And then his body filled out, and now he's one of the five best players in the world. Right. And you look at Bull Bull, he's been known – as a kid growing up to be one of the best scorers in his age group. 
Uh, ESPNU in the top 100 of recruiting for 2018 had him ranked as the number four prospect. Okay, and, okay, that's fine, but you know what that means, also, right? Not a, not a lot of great prospects. Well, uh, okay, but but also, <laughs> you know, on. if he doesn't get injured. Chris, and he, he averages for the season Chris, 21 and 9. I'm not going to let you sell me on Bowl Bowl. Well, That's I'm nonsense. Not, listen, I'm not here to sell a Bowl Bowl, but I'm telling you right now, if he wasn't hurt, he wouldn't be uh, in the, the end of the first round. He'd be a lotto pick for sure, top 10. If that guy can't shoot threes then on this level, then I don't want him. Yeah, but on, on the college level, he shot 52% from three. Ah. Yeah, but 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 Pac twelve sleepy Pac twelve. Oh right, exactly. In, in that in that bad Pac twelve conference that you're watching every night, uh, cap space in Phoenix now is a protected fourteen million dollars after the Boston trade to acquire Aaron Baines and the rights to Ty Jerome. That's from uh, Bobby Marks. Uh, that's coming across uh, just moments ago. So we're waiting for the Brooklyn Nets pick, which is now the LA Clippers pick here. Right. Surprise. You know, again. Well, you got to fill out a roster. I get that. If you are, uh, you know, if you are the Clippers, I understand that. But really, I'm so focused on what they could do with free agency. You know, that that's my fault. Like, is Jimmy Butler coming to Los Angeles? Well, I, I think Kawhi Leonard's still in play too. You know, and, and that's the thing that's so uh, interesting is that the Raptors win the championship, and their best player, who's an MVP candidate, might bounce. And it, it's really nothing you did. It's just the fact that he wants to be in Los Angeles. He's from Southern California, and that's where he wants to be. So we're waiting for the Brooklyn's uh, to make their pick. Co- Kobe White going to the Chicago Bulls. If you're just joining us here in our draft coverage, Kobe White, the point guard from North Carolina, uh, and someone mentioned in the teleconference with Kobe White earlier, last time the Bulls chose a guard from North Carolina, his name was Michael Jordan. Here is Adam Silver. With the 27th pick in the 2019 NBA Draft, the Brooklyn Nets select Fiondu Cavangeli from Burlington, Canada and Florida State University. Mike Schmitz, player profile. Fiondu Cavangeli, the nephew of Dikembe Mutombo, naturally one of the better shot blockers in the draft. He has great instincts. He can sky off the floor off two feet, and he's a strong, long-armed body with a 7'3-plus wingspan, really aggressive on the offensive end of the floor. He can shoot it out to three. He can score on the block, and he's a big-time offensive rebounder. But he doesn't make his teammates better. He is a score-first player through and through, and there are some questions about his ability to step out and defend the perimeter with consistency at the NBA level. Kevin Gelly going to the Nets, and now that is the Clippers pick. Uh, standing at 6'10", 255 pounds, the Canadian, now part of the Clippers. Yeah, from Florida State, really good three-point shooter for Camagelli. And, you know, uh, defensively, we'll see how he fits in with that Clippers team. You know, they, they were really good at mixing and matching with what they had on the roster. And, obviously, the Clippers are going to change a lot from right now to the start of the NBA season. They might be adding two max players, and at that point, Camagelli just adds to what they have of young talent, Doc Rivers getting the most out of those players, good shooter, and a good defensive player as well. He will be known as Lil Dikembe. Uh, Lil D. Come on, Lil Dikembe! Come on, Lil Dikembe! You gotta get the foot stomp on there, too. The yes. Doc Rivers foot stomp. That's what he will be. Uh, coming up, Hoodie, the Warriors, they don't have enough. 
We'll find out what the Warriors have in the it's NBA true. draft. And that, well, that, last, that was the case, yeah, was it yeah, not? Yeah, it was. They didn't have enough. Nick was right. So we will see what the Warriors will do here as we're going to be at uh, number 28 in the first round of the NBA draft with Chris Black, Jonathan Hood with you. What are the Warriors going to do next on ESPN 1000? Now back to our coverage of the 2019 NBA Draft on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Along with Chris Black, here's Jonathan Hood. Glad you're with us here for the 2019 NBA Draft Show here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. The Bulls got their man, Kobe White, the point guard from North Carolina. 16.1 points a game, 3.5 rebounds, 51% efficient field goal percentage, and a speed demon that uh, was an effective spot-up three-point shooter from NBA range with a quick release and can glide past the defense with an elite first step. Uh, Kobe White, part of the Chicago Bulls at number seven. We're at number 28 with the Golden State Warriors, Chris. Yeah, and the Golden State Warriors, you know, here you take a look at the way the season ended and everything changed within the span of a week. They were on way to a title, then Kevin Durant gets hurt out for next season as well. Whether or not he'll resign, who knows. And then you also take a look at the fact that you have to look at Klay Thompson. Is he back in the mix for the Golden State Warriors next season? A lot of question marks. Next year might just be a sabbatical year, right? Like, if they have everyone back in the fold for two years from now, if Clay resigns, Durant resigns, do you really run out Steph Curry for 82 games next season? Do you play him 60? Do you kind of just see how it goes? And then if the Warriors are playing well throughout the year without those two stars, does Clay Thompson come back for the playoffs next season? Big question mark as we go to Adam Silver, the commissioner of the NBA. With the 28th pick in the 2019 NBA Draft, the Golden State Warriors select Jordan Poole from the University of Michigan. So Jordan Poole from the University of Michigan is shooting guard, and that's where you kind of look at what the Golden State Warriors are building with Klay Thompson and Steph Curry. More shooting is what we saw in the finals that they needed more of for the Golden State Warriors. They didn't have enough scoring. Quinn Cook couldn't get it done. Uh, McKinney couldn't get it done. They need more scoring, more shooting, and that's what they get with Jordan Poole here at 28. It's interesting when you see the how top-heavy the Warriors were with Thompson and Curry and Draymond Green and Kevin Durant when he's healthy and Andre Iguodala, and you see those players. And then when you see the injuries and you talk about next man up, next man up is always a nice, catchy phrase. But when you are trying to win a championship, you're talking about next man up. Uh, you didn't see the type of offense from like a Livingston or uh, from Cook that you really needed. So, you know, when you're the Warriors, you want to get younger. You want to find that shooting uh, because, again, it's, it's about the main players, but also it's about bench depth. And one thing we learned about the Toronto Raptors is it wasn't just about Kawhi Leonard. It's about an entire team. And so for the Warriors standpoint, while they try to figure out their injury situation, get as much uh, shooting and scoring as possible. Yeah, absolutely, and he he's a scorer. He's exactly what the Warriors missed in the finals. Uh, he's a creative scorer who's a natural fit for the game on offense. Uh, he's selfish at times, which isn't a bad thing, especially if you're a gunner off the bench. If you're a guy that just has to come in and get a few points and and help that starting group, this is you know, and that's what's interesting about this pick and why it's a good pick. Jordan Poole going to the Warriors at 28 is because he's almost exactly what they needed a week ago. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, against the Raptors. (laughs) Like, if he could have come in in that sixth game and given 10 to 15 minutes, gotten hot, 
give you 10 points, maybe. You know, like that would have gone such a long way for the Golden State Warriors in the finals. And the problem is everyone got hurt and there were not enough bodies. And that's a problem when you build your team at the top and it's heavy at the top with so many max contracts, the bottom's going to be empty. And we saw a terrible bench for the Warriors this season. You are uh, listening to the 2019 NBA Draft Show here on ESPN 1000. You know what was coming across my mind? I was thinking about the, the Warriors, and there's been so much conjecture about who's going where. Where's the rumor mill for DeMarcus Cousins? You don't base what you think of Cousins on what you saw toward the end there. That's not DeMarcus Cousins. That Sacramento Kings uh, DeMarcus Cousins is a guy that can give you 25 a night, gregarious player, strong player. Uh, what we saw here is a guy that's trying to come back from injury and, and gave the Warriors one solid game in game two of that uh, final series against Toronto. But what's the free agent market for Cousins? Where, where could he go? Is there going to be one? Or is it going to be wait and see? Allow all of the dominoes to fall, and then if there's a team that completely missed out on free agency, to lowball them and say, all right, we'll give you... A one-year deal, two-year deal, prove it to us, and we'll go from there. Like, do you envision a four-year contract on the table for DeMarcus Cousins? If so, it would be with a bad team. Okay, right? so... It won't be then, with a good team. And and if it's with a bad team, why would they? Why would anyone lock up long-term DeMarcus Cousins? Well, you see the, the production that he gives you when he was healthy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And you you kind of project out that another year being healthy he should give you more production too right uh and when he was healthy last year before he got hurt the first time he was by far a top 15 player if not top 10 player at his as peak so you know i, I want it is fascinating to see what his um market's going to be in free agency because like look at a team like charlotte Right. If Kemba leaves, right. I could see them offering a contract to DeMarcus. See what I mean by bad team? Yeah, right. Like, what if the Knicks don't get what they want? Like, the whole the Durant Knicks. thing. Yeah, the Knicks. Bad team. Yeah. Just needs a splash. Someone to come in and score points. Yeah. What if uh, not your Dallas Mavericks? I know you wouldn't want him anywhere around your Mavericks. No, I could see with the Mavericks. They spend wildly. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise <laughs> right. me. Right. Atlanta's got money to spend. Yeah. Right, you know, he won't be a Laker. That's not that's not the no. space that they want. He's not a Laker, right? No, especially after what he made this last season. Here's a Spurs pick at number twenty nine. With the 29th pick in the 2019 NBA Draft, the San Antonio Spurs select Keldon Johnson from the University of Kentucky. Mike Schmitz, player profile. Keldon Johnson is a hard-nosed, physical, defensive-minded wing who's willing to do the little things to impact winning. He defends multiple positions, he has a strong frame, he's not afraid of contact, and he loves to get downhill on the other end of the floor. He has soft touch on floaters and great extension around the rim. But he's not a great perimeter shooter. Now, he shot over 35% from three this past season at Kentucky, but his confidence tends to waver. His handle, a little bit rudimentary, and he can improve as a facilitator as well. Keldon Johnson, the small forward from Kentucky, was waiting, and there he is in his full white tuxedo, picked at number 29. (laughs) 
It's a good look. Uh, 13.5 points per game, six rebounds last season. Uh, he shoots 38% from three. Uh, he's reminded of uh, Otto Porter, Kentavious Caldwell-Pope, some options as you're ta- trying to make comps for the freshman from Kentucky. Uh, he's 19 years old. He can score. Uh, he's improving as a three-point shooter. He's a hard-nosed rebounder, and he definitely plays with passion and effort. I think this is a really good Spurs pick. It's a good Spurs pick, but this is supposed to be a top fifteen pick. Yeah, he is, and then that's once again. What did we see? What did what did we say with Dejounte Murray with the Spurs when they got him? We said steal of the draft, right? And he was injured last season, but he's a really good player. Once again, at the end of the draft, number twenty nine, the Spurs. That's a pretty good player that they just selected. That's a Spurs pick. You're yeah, right, right? Like yeah. like player that falls on the board who who kind of. Hits everything. There's not really a real reason outside of people are like, ah, small forward, where does he fit? Uh, no, he's just a good player. It's a great point. I think that he can come in right away. And you know, uh, Greg Popovich, accentuate the positives, hide the negatives, put you out there, um, maximize the minutes that you're given. Yeah. I could see that. The uh, Fear the Deer, the Milwaukee Bucks are on the clock now at number 30. Uh, some, uh, let's get into the weeds here a little bit, Chris as we give you the 2019 NBA draft here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. The Cavs sent four second-round picks in cash to Detroit for the number 30 pick. And Adrian Wojnarowski is uh, saying that the 30th pick that the Cavs are trading is focused on Kevin Porter from USC. There you go. So it looks like uh, the deal is for the Pistons to target Kevin Porter, and then those picks are going to go back uh, to Cleveland. Cavs and four second-round picks and cash to Detroit for the number 30 pick. There you go. There you have it. Um, you've been waiting for Porter to get uh, chosen. Yeah, you know, and, and the thing about uh, Kevin Porter is that Kevin Porter is a player that has all the talent in the world. Um, the physical profile, he is good with the ball. He has the shot-creating uh, skills that you need as a perimeter scorer. A lot of people have compared him to, like, other uh, scorers off the bench like J.R. Smith, uh, guys like that. And that's what Kevin Porter has the talent to do. Now, he could be either the next Donovan Mitchell that everyone slept on yep. because of the talent and, and what uh, kind of took place at USC this year, or there's a reason he fell to this point in the, into the draft. Uh, Sham Sharania reporting that uh, – well, he says the Sixers are trading swingman Jonathan Simmons in the number 42 pick to the Wizards. Hmm. All right. How do you break that down? Well, Jonathan Simmons hasn't been able to do anything since he, he left the Spurs. Right, right. You know, like, remember, he signs as a free agent with the Magic, mm-hmm. and then he's scoring points, and then all of a sudden it's like that went out immediately, and he gets traded to the 76ers. Did he even play a playoff minute? I don't think so. This year? I don't think so. I remember that pick. Right. And so, yeah. All right. So, yeah. So that's just news coming across here. We're going to start getting the weeds here with the second-round picks uh, momentarily. But the Milwaukee Bucks, by the way, fear the deer. Um, there's a team there where you're wondering what is going to happen with Chris Middleton. We were talking about this before the show. I asked you about Middleton, and I was wondering, do you think that there is going – he's a free agent. Does he want out of Milwaukee? Does he see other teams where he can latch on, whether it's the Lakers, whether it is uh, some teams uh, like the Knicks? Middleton seems like that's at the right spot, right, to be in Milwaukee because Milwaukee very well could win the East next year. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think Chris Middleton is in for what they're doing. Don't you get the, the vibe yeah. that that's he is buying in? He wants to be there. He wants to be there with Giannis and help that thing grow. Now, whether or not, and we know from reporting over the course of the last month that Giannis has kind of put it up to the Bucks to say, prove it to me. If you want me to sign a long-term max deal here in Milwaukee, you have to do everything in your power to make this team good enough for me to stay here. Uh, Malika Andrews reported that on ESPN.com mm-hmm. the moment the game ended and the Bucks were eliminated. And that's kind of what the context of Milwaukee's offseason and next year is all about is can they do enough to convince Giannis to stay there? It starts with Chris Middleton. It also goes into Mal- uh, Malcolm Brogdon. Uh, is that a player that teams are going to poach? Do you put a offer sheet to Brogdon? Do you get him off the Bucks? Or will the Bucks find a way to pay all these guys? Well, with Brogdon, can he, for me, it's show me again. Right? Yeah. You 50, 40, 90 guy, can you do that again? Because, I know, again, terrific season. Right. But can you, is, this, is this a player that's going to be consistent enough where, and again, you look at where he was drafted and you looked at Brogdon and you say, okay, you know, it's, that's a really breakout player. But is that just an anomaly or can he be a consistent player for someone? And if he can shoot from three like that, then, yeah, then that's a guy that's going to get a lot of offer sheets and he's going to be poached because I don't think the Bucks can afford to pay big contracts of both Brogdon and Middleton uh, in this offseason. But, you know, you had to give $70 million in four years to, to Eric Bledsoe, right? <laughs> See, here's the thing, and this is where Bucks fans have been fearing for a long time, right? They don't want... They don't want a situation where, you know, Giannis looks around and says, well, wait, this is happening, this is happening. He's already been kind of sheepish on Twitter. Have you seen the eyeballs from Giannis with some of these moves taking place? Have you yeah, seen he's that on watching. Twitter? He's watching. Okay. Well, you don't Giannis want, is out there. You don't want another Kareem situation saying, I, oh. you, Milwaukee, nothing against you, but I don't want to be here anymore. You think the Bulls will be ready when he wants to bounce from Milwaukee to, to swoop in? Yep, they'll be ready to watch him in Los Angeles. Oh, okay. As you're listening to the 20... 20- 2019 NBA Draft Show on ESPN 1000 in the ESPN app with Chris Black, Jonathan Hood with you as we broadcast live from the Attic Center. Did I say something wrong? Or? No, you didn't. And our uh, draft coverage tonight with limited commercial interruptions brought to you by Jewel Osco and Distinctive Gold Jewelry in Frankfurt. My friend, the pick is in for the Milwaukee Bucks, a team that uh, was really a lot of fun to watch, but Toronto was just a little bit too, uh, too seasoned for them. Giannis is a solid player, but uh, the one thing that we knew is that uh, Toronto was destined for something special with Kawhi Leonard and company. And, and when you watch that series, uh, what happened was uh, fascinating to me because it was like once the Raptors figured them out, there was no change to the Bucks. They could only do one thing, and it was Giannis going as hard as he could to the rim. And once the, the Raptors figured that out defensively, the Bucks were dead in the water. And so taking that forward to next year and in the playoffs next year, how much of this is uh, on the shoulders of Giannis developing a three-point game and then being able to facilitate off of that? Right. I mean, it's, it is about his development. And the, here's what you want if you're the Bucks: You want that development to happen under your umbrella. Wow. Don't let him be able to get better someplace else. Because already an exciting player. Has room for improvement, correct. You just want to make sure that it happens while you are, he's under your administration, as long as he's under your team uh, with the Milwaukee Bucks. So the, the Bucks were a fun watch. And I'll tell you what, the Bucks, the way they played, might have frustrated Boston. Maybe that's why they're breaking up. 
I was there for a couple of games at Five Serve Forum. That was amazing. With the 30th pick in the 2019 NBA Draft, the Milwaukee Bucks select Kevin Porter Jr. from the University of Southern California. Mike Schmitz, player profile. Kevin Porter is truly a feast or famine prospect. When he's dialed in, he looks like a young James Harden with the way he plays. He has the ball on a string, he's physical, he can get to his pull-up at will, has a ton of shake in his game. But when he's not locked in, when he's going through one of these ups and downs that we saw too often at USC, he looks like a shell of himself. He doesn't defend with intensity, he's not the best on-ball decision maker, and he needs to improve his overall approach to the game and work ethic. Kevin Porter Jr., the shooting guard from USC, now part of the Milwaukee Bucks, wearing uh, Bucks green, interesting enough. Huh, do you know something? <laughs> maybe, maybe he shouldn't Nasir have Little uh, earlier tonight was wearing uh, Blazers colors, and he was selected by the Blazers. Maybe Porter shouldn't have showed up until like 9.30 Central oh, yeah. Time since he was wearing Bucks green. Like, oh, I guess that's who, <laughs> I guess that they want me, so I'll show up late. It's not Celtic screen, right? Because they passed on him like four times. Yes. Okay. Well, everybody did. <laughs> okay. It's based yeah. on your analysis of him earlier in the show. Yeah. You know, a lot of people thought coming into the draft that he could possibly be a top 10 talent in this group. And the fact that he fell all the way to 30 at the last pick in the first round, that's where you kind of take a look at Kevin Porter and you, you kind of wonder to yourself, uh, if, is he going to be the next Donovan Mitchell? Because scoring-wise, he has that. Like you heard Mike Spitz talk about the fact that he has the scoring ability like a James Harden at that age. Now whether or not he can put it all together and kind of push that forward, you also heard in the bio that he also doesn't give max effort all the time. That's a problem on the next level. You know, Think about all the guys who could score but also gave no blank, so they just right. kind of went up and down the floor yep. and just, I'll get my buckets when I get my buckets, and if you got to take me out, take me out. You know? You're listening. Michael Beasley. Yeah, well, well there you go. The 2019 NBA Draft Show here on ESPN 1000, the ESPN app. With Chris Black, Jonathan, with you, we are getting ready now for our second round of the NBA Draft. Brooklyn is on the clock. Uh, Indiana is also there. Philadelphia a couple times. Some of those, some of those, uh, some of those teams have made some trades out of the second round uh, for future. So we'll keep you up, updated on that. But I see Brooklyn, Phoenix, and Philadelphia coming up here in the second round. We'll see what the Brooklyn Nets do. And, again, it's really about their core more so than these second-round picks. So we'll see what Brooklyn does here coming up next. Yeah, and the Bulls coming up at 38, though, uh, the eighth pick in the second round. And we'll see what uh, they have to offer and if they can add some more shooting to what they already have tonight. be a hell of a thing if Carson Edwards was there with the eighth Ooh. pick in the second round. I like that. That would be great. I think he might be gone by then, but if Carson Edwards is there from Purdue, you, and it's not about a local thing. That's no, not about that. It's about <laughs> about a good player I saw in the Big Ten. Yes. Okay? All right, yes, so. a guard who can shoot, create his own space, make threes. I agree. So I like the news people around here. Yeah. The kid from West Lafayette played yes. for Purdue. Jazz yes. hands. This is why he was. No, no, no. It's about a good player. With Chris Black. Puts his mic down. Hello with Chris Black, childhood with you. He's getting delirious, but I'm still here with you guys as we continue on with our 2019 NBA Draft Show. Our second round continues after this on WMVP Chicago.